recorded live. Hi, friends. It's March 25th, uh, 2016. Thanks for coming. Um, sorry, Roddy. Um, even though we're just chit-chatting, it's you know hopefully going to lead to somewhere. You were talking about uh, uh, a show there on Angeles. Yeah, talking about Kurt Kallenbach asking the idioti if he had listened to the well, it was about four forty-five, four and a half uh, hour call. I think I did hear that uh, that whole show. Yeah, it's a it's a power pack show. It's really really informative. Don't take everything for uh, just being the gospel, but uh, yeah, I mean he's almost perfectly in line with what uh, I and others have been talking. We've been going back and looking at the history of uh, stories in the Bible, the creation of the Constitution and the forefathers, the steps that they took, not the Constitution, but the procedure, the process, and doing a little, uh, what I don't, what's, what's it called that? When you go back and visualize what people are doing, what do they call that? Some kind of kooky experiment. When you put yourself in a, in a position that they are in, you know what I'm talking about, idioti? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of a word other than just visualize, but I know it. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. I, don't, I can't think of a word for it. It's, oh, my God. It's, uh, what they do is they focus on something and try to see through other people's eyes. It's like the men who stare at goats experiment. Yeah. And, uh, Are you uh, talking about remote viewing? Yeah, it's kind of remote viewing, but yeah, that's the word I was looking for. But you go back and you go back throughout history and look at what you've been taught and look at the steps and procedures. And we've come up with a conclusion about the people how people are hiding as corporations and persons. And uh, that the history of the uh, United States was, or the America really was about the people versus the oppressive corporations, the people in uniforms. That's what the government was created for, government of the people and by the people, for the people. Supposedly. And, the, and the, yeah, yeah, no, it really was. And these corporations are supposed to, they still have duties and obligations that when they come into the people's land or area, they give permission, they give notice, so they make declarations of what they're going to do, they adopt what the people want them to do. And part of their riches that they get from the people's land go back to the uh, treasure chest of the people. Somebody's jumbling around there. Sounds like somebody's making dinner. Yeah, I'm, Carl sorry. Lentz on the call. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My mic was on. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Carl Lentz was on there working. <laughs> Inside his car. <laughs> Janine's, Janine's going to be out there in 30-degree weather here in a minute, hammering nails. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> go whistle. See, we go, we'll go whistle for Carl a dog or something. Noise. Is that Cheyenne? Yeah, I got them. Get <laughs> What's that you, Ron? Yeah, hi. Hi. 
That was my audio anyway. I'm doing okay, but I don't want to interrupt, but I do have one question. No, I was saying how's my audio? I don't I don't like bad audio. Oh, the audio is good. Yeah, audio okay, is coming through clear. You 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 were saying about um about you going back to the constitution and find out or oh, well when they were find you you found out when they had when they invented persons, persons became corporations. When was that? Yeah, hang on. I'll let Cheyenne ask your question because I'm not controlling the call, first of all, but I know how it oh, is. No, when no, you no, have no, a, go when ahead, Ryan. Have, go, go. I know, I know go. how it is when you got a thought, you know. you got a question, no. you don't forget it. Uh, no, I just, because it, it's way off base. Well, I mentioned that to uh, Janine on her Skype. I messaged you directly. So if you'd like to check that, that'll explain it so you can visualize it. But I was saying anything that says of, like state of Colorado, United States of America, or a government of the people, whatever word is to the far right is really uh, the, uh, the power. It's derived from. And if you look at God in the scripture, Jesus was going to be at the right hand of his father. If you look at the words that are facing you, the word to the left is at the right hand of the of the of its creator. So just like wouldn't wouldn't say, that be the same thing as as far as of and off? Oh, I don't know. I was yeah. Well, it could if you just put an extra F in there, it would make sense. But it'd be like if you had a Let's say a son or a daughter named uh, Jason. Let's say a son named Jason. You could say, I am Jason of mom. Or or you could say it for yourself, I am Cheyenne of mom. So mom is the creator. You're the creation. You're subordinate to whatever you are of. The government of the people. So everybody's everybody who thinks government is scary... If you're a people, you're good. But if you want to be a person in an activity or call yourself a citizen of that government, then you you are subject to its uh, its laws. Correct. Uh, a good girl to look up is Deborah Jones. She used to work for the White House, and she became she used to be a, a police officer. And then she became a lawyer, and she worked for um, inside of the White House. And the stuff that she witnessed made her sick. So she now is a whistleblower. I, if you want to, I don't use titles. I never hate. I hate titles. But she does. She has a couple of things on uh, YouTube. What was the name? She, Deborah Deborah Jones. Uh, Cheyenne, I, I think that's why uh, these government uh, people or servants are actually scared of the common law. Yes. Because, because like the scriptures say, when let's say for you know, if you believe in Jesus, I'll just use a scripture for reference, not not a sermon. But when 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 God comes back in the form of Jesus, He's not coming back to preach. He's going to come back and start 
at the house. Correct. So I think I think the government they get bored. The people have been gone for so long, or the king has been gone for so long, the one they serve, that they're so scared that when the king comes back, he's going to find his house out of order. That, that they're all going to be without jobs or, uh, you know, publicly uh, whipped somehow. But but I think but, I'm gonna uh, word that a little bit different. But go yeah, you're right on you're right on the point. But I think they're so scared that the people might return, but they, you know they don't know what to do. A lot of times, but you know people've been gone for so long. Daddy's been gone for so long that the kid, you know, the the kids are uh, they've forgotten their duties. So well, sometimes we they have tr- no, sex. they didn't forget. Remember, they didn't know. Sometimes they have sex scandals. Sometimes they have email scandals. You know. Yeah, a lot of times they don't. They just don't know the specific on what they're doing, or how valuable or important of a role they have. Or they want to stay in their job for the pension. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I don't want to... Okay, I just... The other thing I'm going to say is I got a order today. Um, I did an appeal for my home. And actually, I like to have opinion on this. Uh, answer to William Mann, order slash errors. Now, why did he... Why did he say Judge or Honorable William? No, he didn't say Honorable or nothing? No. What was the agreement that you got to do? It was just an appeal I put put in um, for the eviction at Superior Court. So what what does the order say to do? The order is basically basically saying that the order that I found on February 29th is hereby ordered uppercase, bold uppercase, that defendant appeal may be squashed. So he's actually what he's trying to do is squash my appeal. Oh, I wasn't ordering you around. He was just giving the order that it can be squashed. Well, that's I, Ronnie. I'm, I'm new to all this. <laughs> <laughs> what does it sound like, Idioti? I think what, uh, I think the guy that could probably help Cheyenne, because uh, I'm not familiar with that stuff very much, but he made some comments that seemed appropriate to Cheyenne's situation. If I were her, I would get with Colin. Colin Derek? Oh, Colin? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's got Skype. But the best thing to do is actually scan it or take a picture of it and put it over Skype. Yeah, I'm having printer problems right now. Oh, you can take a picture of it and email it. Or if you got it on your phone, Skype on your phone, you can... I don't know how pictures. to do that. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But basically, he's just saying that I'm pissed off about the sheriff's cell. Uh, who who is this coming from? 
a judge. And what is he ordering you to do? He's basically saying that uh, proceed defendant's answer to William. That's a, that's another question. William, man, and that's they didn't put order. I'm, I might be losing my voice down here in Jersey. I'm telling you what, the chemtrails are bad down here. But he's saying the answer to William's man filed February the 29th is hereby ordered that the defendant, who is me, appealed, may be squashed. Maybe. Right. And basically, at the bottom, he's he's basically saying that I didn't like the order of them taking my freaking home. Well, hello. So I still have to guess, saying, yeah, it's squashable, but it's not squashed. How, yeah, that's, you know what? That's, Can we have a call? Can we have a call on void orders? I've done void orders, and I'm not having any luck. Are you you listen to corners for? Yes. I must have hit on the case. They're not. They're, they're just bypassing me. Do we know somebody, Cheyenne, that that maybe we could invite that that may be able to? To help us learn more about void orders, Rodney, answer that one. I everyone talks about void orders. Might be able to help us with void order orders. Everyone talks about void orders, and Bill Thornton. Thornton, uh, Yeah, Bill Thornton. Last I saw on void orders, if the case was done right, depending on what kind of case it was, is if. There's actually it's, it's kind of like a challenge in jurisdiction. You can challenge it any time. I think right. the void order is similar to where, if no aggrieved party showed up, then it was a then it was a void order. But Ronnie, they never show up. It's the plaintiff's. I'm losing my voice. It's the plaintiff's attorney that shows up. Yeah. I think that's, that's who shows up. Corns for us to talk about is when there's no actual you don't have party, to relax. there's, no, there's right. no no plaintiff, you know. Then the, right. if it's just a lawyer, void order. Uh, right. There's a, there's I've a done that, Rodney, but they don't freaking listen to me. Yeah, I'm not sure how uh, somebody else will have to address that. Actually, it's something. That, if I remember the video correctly, there's three videos. If you look up Richard Corns, correct. Correct. As, uh, the void order is something that if you put the proper paperwork in, like basically challenging the jurisdiction because the because it was an incompetent trial anyway, then the judge or whoever is they do it. Hold, they hold on. Not a, hold on. Her, her phone not out of ten was not processed. Yeah, your phone's clicking again. Never a trial. I'm trying to say my voice. There's somebody's phone clicking. But what Sounds it was like is you're you doing you more code. Yeah, you basically put them in a position that they would draw. It's a void order. 
Or after you And that was on Ron's call. That was on Ted's call. You do a removal. And I totally forgot about Ted. Totally forgot about him. It's almost it's not a threat, but it's almost like a threat to where they realize they fucked up and if they don't remove it they can see a lawsuit coming. I did get a red of era and 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 this dude and and I'm not the only one. This dude is just like or these judges in this area I'm so, sorry, Pennsylvania, they're like Satan screw you. But uh, Sonya, you I'm gonna mute out unless y'all I'm almost home, so I'm gonna let y'all go back to whatever you're talking about. I'm gonna listen in. Okay, Roddy, have a safe trip on your way home. Um I'm just kinda wondering what all that noise is, all that ticking, but maybe it's gone. Anyway, uh, friends, Colin is going to come on. Um, I don't know exactly when, but he was um, going to come on maybe a half an hour after the show started. And I, I just, before I just get into, you know, if somebody wants to get into a conversation um, or whatever has anything they want to talk about, um, I did want to share a couple of things that that um, I've um, learned this week. And um, I put some links up. And uh, it was a man, maybe you have heard of him, and his name was Dan, but I don't know his last name. And he was on Angela's show, but I don't know when either. Colin sent me this link. Dan Bennett? I I don't have a clue, Cheyenne. Dan Venom. Venom? Yep. Yep. Okay. um, Anyway, uh, maybe you have heard him talk. This is... uh, Colin sent me this link, and I and I and I, I just really enjoyed it so much that I wanted to share it. So I'm just going to repost it um, on the chat board here, and this this is a fantastic um, one hour uh, talk from Dan, and then the the last hour he answers some questions that the people, uh, the the men and women wanted you know, talk about, but um, uh, this is really heavy-duty stuff. Um, Like Dan calls it, he calls it, this is the big boy stuff. This was really serious. Like the information that he has here um, is is really, really serious. And and this part here was, was no game. This was some serious, serious studies, some serious, serious research. Um, you really apparently his stuff is working. Yeah, I I, I don't not to interrupt that. you. I'm sorry, Tanya, but no, not to interrupt okay. you. That's okay. Um, I I I think he yeah, it, it's really really serious. You you really should listen to it. Um, I'm going to listen to it again. I listened to it this week. Um, and I got interrupted a couple of times, so I, I, I kind of missed some of it because my the, the show was still going when I was called to the phone or called to the door. So I didn't get to listen to it all. But uh, just briefly, some of the things he talks about. You know, I, I love the way a, a lot of these men and, men and women have things in order, you know, step 
by step by step by step. This is what we need, I need, um, is, you know, explaining jurisdiction, explaining standing. He was explaining venue. He was explaining subject matter. All these types of things, codes are hearsay, statues at large. And, um, you know, on and on and on, he went for the, this hour, and he was talking about um, basically the banking system, um, the Federal Reserve, uh, things that, you know, help me kind of put pieces together in my mind. And I, I'm way behind a, a, a lot of people. I, I don't know very much, eh? But I really, really enjoyed this, this hour with Dan, and um, I'm, I'm going to go over it again, and I'd really like to do a transcript on it because, like he said, this, the information that he had gathered uh, really could take down the Federal Reserve. Really serious stuff. This, this was no, this was no game. Like I put it on the chat board here. Dan said, "This is the big boys' game." Um, so anyway, I just wanted to leave that, that with you, and I do want to post it again you know, maybe near the end of the show so others have an opportunity, and I might repeat it again, but I thought this was serious enough to to post and talk about just for a couple of minutes. And has anyone uh, on the show um, heard this, this, this talk of Dan's? Like I say, that's not fair of me to even ask because I don't even know when it was dated. Is this, is this the same? Was this a recent show? Is this the same Dan that... Uh was a bar attorney and gave it up? Well, this... um, actually, he did say some of his history. He did tell a little bit about himself. He was actually uh, an automobile salesman. Oh, okay. Different guy. Yeah. And and he went right to the top in no time. You know, he was actually, I, I, I presume, intelligent and uh, he went right to the top in no time. And when he got up there and he was finding out how, you know, how these these loan operations were happening, uh, someone told him, you know, this is all fraud. <laughs> and he thought, no, it can't be all fraud. What are you talking about sort of thing? And then he research, researched into it and found out that it was. And so, you know, he made a, you know, a repent and turn around and, uh, you know now he's 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 helping other other men and women but uh he's he's not helping anyone directly right now i think because he's had some serious uh, uh problems with you know them with the capital t uh so he's just sharing information with with men and women but he can't help anybody directly right now because he's having jurisdiction problems so, um, but this this was excellent. This this one hour, and I really sh- want to share this with with his friends. <clears throat> it's not I, I'm not very good at explaining it all because this is all uh, so deep for me. You know, to I, I, I'm still a babe. You know, uh, drinking the milk of the word, eh? <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to share it anyway. And um, for any that don't have, um, you know, there's a few on the phone here this evening. Now, if you if you wanted me to send the the links to you through Skype or you know through email, I can do that too. Um, or you know, if you don't have the time or or whatever, if you don't have the time to go back and and grab the chat grabber 
and you would prefer that I just send it to you, um, I'd be more than happy to do that. But I really think it was um, a real good one to listen to. Um, Basically because Dan could show us the, the means of how to dig this information up and actually get government documents. So, you know, if they were, they were after you for your house, you know, or they were, you know, or a bank's trying to come after you, you know, for your automobile or something, you can actually pull up documents, uh, government documents that actually state right there that a bank does not own a note. A bank does not own a note. And, and they were actually stating in there that, uh, you know, well, hey, Harry, hey, Sam, you know, actually we don't own any notes. And each year from year, they have to do like, a you know, a, a review or whatever it is they do, you know. And every year from one year to the next, he said all these documents, government documents are in there. And he gives us some hints on how to find them. But all the documents are in there. So if you can take these documents and take these documents in the court and you lay them down, the the, the judge is going to uh, shut the house down. He's just going to say, okay, case dismissed. It's over uh, and get us the hell out of there. Because, you know, these documents that Dan can actually lead us to, um, he's had wins. Like uh, you were saying, Cheyenne, now that now that I think about what he was talking about, he's had wins, and um, I don't know how many, but uh, yeah, they they want to close the door. They'll they'll kick you out of the courtroom and say goodbye and close the door in case the Smith's gone over, and they do not want these documents to come up. But anyway, it's pretty it's uh, very interesting, very interesting. So if anybody wants. Uh, wants, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my email that uh, fine lines engraving um, in the chat here at hotmail.ca and if anybody um, wants the link just uh, send, me a, send me a message and I'll, and I'll send it to you and uh, Colin actually sent me a, a couple more. More, if um, I might as well send it to you, since I'm talking about it. And then uh, when I'm done rambling here, um, yeah, I got a question. Someone else can talk. Yeah, go ahead, Roddy. Is that you, Roddy? Yeah. Okay. If you just say who it is, please, so I can call you. I won't be calling you bad names. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. And uh, I mentioned this on another call recently. Now that we're aware of all this uh, new knowledge, I guess uh, the key thing is not to. The key thing is to watch what you're signing, how you sign, know your status, and uh, with these with these court cases or some people have problem with, I think what's what they're doing, the uh, judges are actually are playing a little scheme. That is, it may not be a scheme intentionally, but they know what they're doing, and that is the documents filed are kind of like a straw man. And I'll explain. They'll rule on the straw man, but not the actual thing that you have in your heart or your mind, it's like if it's like if there's a a tennis ball game going on, 
and you show up with a football, you'll get ruled. You'll get ruled against. You'll get dismissed or whatever. I think you've got to bring the right tools at the right time. Depends on the subject matter or the what they call merits of the case. So I think a lot of times these judges are actually ruling against frivolous documents that are filed that have nothing to do with the actual issue at hand. I don't know if I can ex- how to explain that really. Well, I understand what you're saying. This is exactly what Dan talks about. Also, he says when you when you, you know there's no use of bringing you know um, a frivolous law in there that's got absolutely nothing to do with um, you know what's going on. Um, and this is where I, I enjoyed this part of his talk was he would actually sit down and tell you. There are, see, I don't know, is three types of jurisdiction. He would tell you there, there's different types of jurisdiction. Um, and, and, and you have to have standing. And, and then after that, then it's then the court. He said the courts, usually, usually they don't have jurisdiction. Usually they don't even have standing. All of a sudden the only thing they do is they, they, they have venue. They, they tell you, okay, you got to come back to court, and that's that's all there is to it. But you, he, you just can stop them at jurisdiction and stop them at standing. He says, but you got to go in there with your paperwork. Most of us are here because of Carl, and you, you just uh, you just refresh my memory. Uh, if anybody remembers a story about Carl told about when he got when he filed his common law claim in Alabama, that somebody had said it was dismissed, and when he read it. He, he he showed that the judge, he asked, uh, I think, the governor's attorney or somebody, he goes, how many jurisdictions you see there? He says, about three or four. Or uh, uh, what kind of, what do you call that? What kind of court do you see there? Like a common So, yeah, like Dan Benham was saying, if you don't watch them, they'll change something up on the bench or while it's going on and rule against that. They, they, won't, they can't dismiss your your actual claim, they'll just make up something and dismiss that as if you if you as if you had brought it into court. Right. Yeah. Well, I know. Like I, I'm still um, friends. I just want you to know. Like common law is 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 what I love. Studying these statutes and acts and all this other kind of stuff. I'm lazy. And uh, that it's my mind. I just I don't like it. So, but I have realized that you know some things I got to know some other things. You know, um, I you know when I first started studying this stuff, uh, I didn't know what jurisdiction meant. I didn't know you know hardly the difference between statutes and codes or 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 anything. You know, so we do have to know some other things. You know. And common law is my what I love, and but I've found out learning, um, spreading out here and, and learning other things that are going on in the system, uh, how they can trip you up, how they can trick you. You know, we we do need to know, you know, other things. We do, you know, there are times we will need to know. Um, like I've mentioned many, many times, if, if a, a, a police officer comes to your door and knocks on your door, well, do you open it and let him in and get, let, allow him to have jurisdiction? See, these things people don't know. They think they're just trying to be nice. 
they open the door, oh, hi, may I come in? And they just let them in. But they have no idea that you've just given them jurisdiction. So, you know, this is what I mean, like learning statues, acts, whatever, other things, things from Dan. Um, I learn a lot from Dan. What I've learned from Carl, a lot of bits and pieces that, that I needed, I just learned from Dan. And, you know, same as a lot of bits and pieces that I that I haven't learned in, in certain places, I learned from Colin. And, um, you know, and, and from Roddy and Aaron and, and you know, Cheyenne, Alias and Janine, you know, we all pick up little bits and pieces from each other. So it doesn't matter what it is. Take it in and uh, we'll apply it in our life where it's necessary at that time. And well, you know, not not all of us can go into court like <laughs> Carl does. You know, we can't yes. all. We we still got to play in the administrative field, you know, because what's, that's all we know. What's sad is people got into, I mean, it, it, it felt good in the beginning. Hey, I want a house. I want a nice car so I can, so I can look good. You know, it's all about the vanity. And then you sign your name to something and it, it had no idea what you were getting into. And then people are suddenly have to do a cram course in statutory codes because they got themselves involved in something, you know. That wasn't explained, but it was, you know, and they get emotional, and somebody comes along and uses the courts to take your property, and it's very scary. But the key thing is, like I said, don't sign anything. But now that people are in, involved in it, it's good. It would be good to know the terms being used. Like, it, like, like if you sign it, and I sign a contract, and I come in, you know, bitching about something in your in your court or whatever, and I say. You know, you've got all your statutory definitions that I haven't read. I didn't know what they mean when I signed something. And I come in saying, hey, Sonia, I say the sky is blue. Damn it, that's my claim right there. The sky is blue. And you're going to go, let me look at the codes here. Well, uh, the sky is not sad. Case dismissed. <laughs> See the word games? It's it's a, it's a kind of a straw man terminology. that They create it. So they know what it means and dismiss it. Yeah, well, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying there, Roddy. Yeah. Hey, Sonia, before uh, Colin gets here. Um, Who's this? It's Idiote. Idiote? Uh, okay. You were asking about the uh, traveling in your automobile stuff, and uh, a couple weeks back I told you you should listen to Rich's show on Tuesday. And uh, the last two two the last two Tuesdays, his shows tend to run like an hour and a half as well, and it's really good uh, information. I I recommend you go back and listen to uh, one or both of those. I will. Thank you. I went last week for some reason. I couldn't. There there was either there wasn't one posted or I or I got it at the wrong time. I'm on Canada. I'm on Ontario. I think it's 10.30 your time. It's uh, Oh. Okay. I'll do that. Thank you. And, and you have to uh, uh, check back in a couple of times because he doesn't always start right on time. And if he doesn't have a few people uh, in the first five or ten minutes, then he won't do a show. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, I'm kind of like that, too. I <laughs> I think, oh, by half an hour, nobody's here, goodbye. <laughs> okay, I remember what you told me before. Yeah, if, you, if he's, yeah, if there's not a few people there, he's, he's out of there. And, and 
uh, I'll go back and, and check them out. And thank you. I wrote them down somewhere, and you gave that to me. So, And I did check last week, but I was too early. Um, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, it's on the half what? hour. Uh, do you have the do you have the talk show number and um when it's when it's actually on, please? Yeah, hang on. Thank you. Thank you. His his his, uh, his show and his site are called Section Five Twenty, and his talk show number is one three nine five zero nine. Thank you, Five Twenty. I remember that. I've got him in my book. Okay. And he gets, Are you putting it on, Janine, or do you want me to? Um, yep, I got section 520, and then I've, is it one, what's the talk sheet number, sorry? It's 139509. 509, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't chat. I did, the little box in the corner came up one time, uh, actually last night, when after uh, Angela's show, the chat went on for a while, and uh, in fact, uh Carl chatted last night after the show, and it might be interesting for uh, Carl fans to go back and look at uh, Angela's chat last night. Angela's chat last night, and that was after midnight, you say? Or somebody yeah. somebody said after midnight. Yeah, the, the, she, she did her usual show, and then the chat went on for quite a while afterwards. Okay. Oh, Holy so we, crap, we, Carl, yeah. Carl was venting big time. He, oh, he was so angry. We can grab the chat grabber then and <laughs> check it out. <laughs> yeah, it'd be yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just wait till I hear from other friends because uh, I'm lazy. Uh, i got a lot of things I'm studying too, so what I do is <laughs> the ones that got the patience to go on and, and listen for several hours, and I just wait and chat with friends, and they think, okay, I'll go on at midnight, I'll grab the chat grabber, and uh, check out the chat, that, that'll that be cool. Actually, it'd be best to probably listen to the chat, because I was in and out of the house, and I must have missed something very important. I don't know if you um, yeah. yeah, mean before midnight, Cheyenne, or um, um, Janine, you mean before midnight? Listen to um, the talk show before midnight, is that what you're saying? Well, there was a talk show on there with a um, some. It was a guest ninety two. He he was, and he was saying that he wrote a letter that got him out of a twelve thousand dollar debt, um, and it sounded like a good letter. Um, and Carl actually mentioned it after, uh, just as the chat closed down. Carl got on, and he was he was like, "Yeah, but you're defrauding. You know, you're doing the wrong thing, and you're all robbing. You know, and." I must have missed it where the guy actually got $12,000 worth of goods, you know, but didn't pay because it seems like Carl was going on about that. Um, I thought that that it was a false debt um, that the guy just got out of because the the company, who, whoever he wrote to, just cancelled the debt and put it on zero. It was a, um, it was a, it was a student loan, Janine. So as far as I know... Oh, what I got thank you. Up from the chat, he did get the loan. He did uh, take the benefit, and then he decided that he didn't know it and didn't have to pay it, and was successful in getting out of it. Oh, thank you. Okay, so I didn't know what it was. It was a student loan. Thank you. And so uh, he did take the benefit. Uh, so uh, he did. 
he did go through school and learn. He was kicking your ass last night, Jenny. Sorry? He was kicking your ass last night. He was he was kicking my ass. <laughs> yeah, he he was yeah he was like he was in he, he a was, rare mood. Yeah, I couldn't understand what he was going on about. I thought, well, it isn't wasn't it a lovely letter? And he's going, no, it was threats and it was this and the guy wasn't honourable. And because I was in and out of the house, I missed that completely. I missed that the, it was a student loan. Um, yeah, so hey, I only got half the story. Carl said this a long time ago, that um, he believes people ought to pay their property taxes, et cetera, et cetera. And he was almost afraid that when his information gets out, people use it in a bad way. And that's what he was accused in 92 of last night. He said, you took advantage and you took the benefit and now you don't want to pay. Yeah, he was accusing of uh, Janine. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you... No, exactly. He wasn't accusing of anyone but 92. Right. But I'm I'm glad you guys brought that up. But however, if it is is a false debt, and I thought about that today, if if it is a false debt, why should you have to pay? So it's a question of whether or not it's a false debt or not. Did Did he take the benefit or not? Well, the property taxes is false. Mortgage is false. Credit cards is false. This is kind of, uh, thank you, Cheyenne. This is kind of what I've been learning, friends. You know, like I'm saying, uh, we're, we've been learning common law, you know, with Robert Menard and Dean Clifford and, and, and Carl and, and all these men. We've been learning common law. But now, now um, we're starting to spread out. Now we're starting to find out that when we sign our our our, our signature to something, we're creating uh, whatever. We're creating the money. Correct. When we sign something, it's not theirs. When we sign something to the bank, it's not a contract because there's only one signature. It's ours Correct. and ours Correct. alone, not theirs. They're the crooks. Correct. So this, is, this is where this is all going here, and maybe I don't know anything about student loans, but saying yeah, I, I believe too, I'm studying property tax, not for myself but for others. You know, there's a lot of frauds out there that, um, you know, are we really reaping a benefit? You know, is it something you know that it is actually ours? Well, I thought about that. I thought about that today, not to interrupt anyone. And I'm going to be soon losing my voice. I know. I don't know. It, it's got to oh, be the chemtrails. But anyhow, uh, let me finish. Carl wants us to pay this false debt, and that's where I, I that's where I have a problem with. It's false debt. All right. Can I put my two cents worth in? Yeah. Sure. This is Colin. How you all doing? Oh, hi, Colin. Hey, Colin. Hi. I didn't know uh-huh. you were here. Thank you. Yeah, oh, no, Colin. No, hold on, hold on. Tanya, mute Colin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't mean to be rude, but I've studied trust law quite extensively, and um, I have never seen where a beneficiary who takes or receives a benefit 
is obligated in any manner whatsoever, except if the trust itself clearly says that the beneficiary must, for instance, if you had the child or the grandchild of a of a trust who was the beneficiary of the trust had to first graduate from high school before they could get the first $100 million, and they had to graduate from college before they could get the second $300 million, and then they had to start their own business, or they could use $300,000. That would be a condition of the trust itself. However, I have yet to see a trust where the beneficiary had an obligation because they received the benefit. So to me, that right there is at the foundation of the statement, which I find completely false, his concept that, well, you took the benefit, so you got it. No, 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 no. A beneficiary is a beneficiary is a beneficiary. They are entitled. In fact, in law, it's called property. When you sue, you can sue for a benefit if it's a government benefit, and there's case law on this, that a benefit such as food stamps is an entitlement which you are entitled to, and therefore it's considered your property, and you can sue for it. So I'm okay, sorry. Hold, hold on, hold on. Food stamps, wouldn't that be a, a privilege? What? Wouldn't that be a privilege? Same a what, a privilege? No, it's a benefit yes. that you're entitled to. Look, let me ask okay. you a question. Do you, do, you, do you sit there and cut down a tree and build a log cabin and then have the log cabin tell you what, that you can't come into it until you kiss its ass? No, the, the trees were there given to us by the creator. You cut them down. You created the house in order so you could live it in as a shelter. The government is a creation of the people for one reason only. That is to secure our rights and to provide us to ensure Colin, that we are Colin, Colin, it's Colin. It's a simple concept. Colin, slow down. <laughs> Thank you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, which means any knucklehead can see, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving okay. their just powers from the consent of the governed, which is not us, that's the ones that consent to being governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers, all powers, in such form as they shall seem most likely to effect or cause their, guess what, safety, I feel safe, and happiness, I am happy. If you're not happy paying taxes, we got a problem, it's unlawful. End of story. Colin, I'm very thankful you slowed that down. And actually, you were being a little dickhead, but that's okay. Actually, Ted would tell you that one. Girl. <laughs> Time for in Ted, but anyhow, um, shit. Back to um, okay. How do you, basically would have to do with correcting your status then? Yes. No. Correcting what? The status. I already have the status. Well, I don't need to correct anything. You are the, that. It is. Look, how do I need to sit there and explain my status to my servant? How do I okay. need to explain my status to the to the house that I just unlocked the door to that I just put the door lock on? 
and I had the key made, and I got the key, and I unlocked the door, and I come in. And the, sta- and the, and the house is supposed to go, excuse me, before you can come into this house that you built, you have to give me your status? What kind of crap is that? Corruption okay, is call it, call it. Okay, you, mean, you, 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 you didn't. <laughs> You're talking the wrong way. Apparently, you you have to, and this is only for the callers, and probably me as well. You have to correct the status for them to leave you the frick alone. Don't cut his wisdom, Cheyenne. Don't cut his wisdom. He's on a roll. Oh, I know. <laughs> Call line, we go back years. <laughs> if I ever meet him, I'll kick his ass. Yeah, and then you're going to kiss it, too, because it's such a sweet ass. Anyway. I think we lost him. So here's the deal. What's happened is it's the same thing if you listen to Steve, um, uh, what they call him. From Florida. Uh, right. Orlando Steve, yeah. He says the same thing. He says he calls him up and he says, well, wait a minute. How is it possible that you can be charging an ad valorem commercial tax without any evidence I'm engaged in some sort of commercial activity? He goes on to say that, looky here, you have the Homestead Act. In the Homestead Act, this is for taxpayers. And people generally in the old days, they had their business on the same property that they were living on. They created the Homestead Act, which was to say what? The area in which you're living in is not engaged in your farming business or whatever business you were engaged in is not taxable. So he's asked them, he says, well, how if there's an, if their home, their house, and all their belongings is not taxable, exempt from taxing for a taxpayer, how on earth can you now, me, a non-taxpayer, okay, because I'm not engaged in any commercial activity, how on earth can you then be charging me a tax on my home and my personal effects? Okay, it's can a- I stop you from there? Can we look up Homestead? Because I heard two different things. It was good and it was not good. Again, if you claim homestead, then you're automatically saying that you must be a taxpayer. That's where it's been. Okay. All right. And you're eating again? And the principle, yeah, this is my lunch, believe it or not. The principle is very simple. If there is an exemption for the household and all of its items, if you're even a taxpayer, a low-life taxpayer, debtor, obligor, how can it be possible that if I am not a taxpayer by definition, and you won't know that until you look it up, which is somebody's engaged in some sort of commercial activity or for-profit activity, which is actually listed and specified in the statute. That's why it's so damn long is because it has to do with manufacturing and all the hundreds of different types of manufacturing. Now, if you go back to the old tax code, you'll see there was only one tax bracket, and that had to do with railroads because that was one of the very first commercial businesses that was taxed. Wasn't Wasn't that a case back in Pennsylvania? I think so. Don't forget Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds won with that, too. No, uh, no there was um, Trenchy. Trenchy case with the railroads, I think. If you No, I'm talking about the homestead. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, again, sorry. Yeah, I was wrong. Go the ahead. The only reason I mentioned the Homestead Act was because the reason he brought it up was that if a taxpayer has their household where they live and all of their household items exempt from taxation as a taxpayer, how is it possible that you can be taxing me and my property when I am not a taxpayer as defined? Okay. How do you get yourself exempt? 
Why would you want to be exempt unless you are a taxpayer? And guess what? When I went looking in court cases, I found the term called, and I didn't know it existed until I found a judge or a court, a superior court, talking about the term non-taxpayer. In fact, it says in that case, and I wish I could find it again, because when I'm doing the taxes in Oklahoma thing, I'll find it again it's somewhere in my other computer. But what it was talking about, it says that the, the non-taxpayer may stand upon his rights. His const- go to Halbersinkel again. He may stand upon his, con- his rights guaranteed by the Constitution, whereas a taxpayer is subject to the tax code. The reason that came up was because the, um, the, the district attorney was stomping his feet and going, Your Honor, he's refusing to pay the taxes. I said, I'm not refusing to pay anything. I'm asking you to show me what lawful taxes I am obligated to pay. Well, Your Honor, he's refusing to pay. I said, show me where it is. Well, it says here that he could have challenged. I said, that's under the tax code. That is for taxpayers. Taxpayers are persons. It says a, a taxpayer is defined as a person who is obligated to pay the taxes. A taxpayer is somebody, a person who is obligated to fill out the taxes. There's only three categories. Is obligated to to fill out the forms, and then there's another one that says a person who. Well, you go look at the definition of person, and it turns out that it's an individual, limited liability company, fiduciary, partnership, uh, corporation, and any municipal subdivision of the state. So then you go down and he goes, Your Honor, he's failing to state, because every time the term person came up, I said, uh, fiduciary limited liability company corporation municipal subdivision state to get it on the record every time there was person I would you I would say that and not only just for them but for me so I could get my head wrapped around the fact that hey my name's not on there that's not me I'm a man and none of those things are me okay yeah. so when I did that he goes your honor he's failing to state the fact that it says the very first word is individual I said hold your pants on don't get in a tizzy I actually put that on the record and I said, if you go down the section E, you will see that it defines, one of the few times it does, it defines individual as a natural person, but person has already been defined as a fiduciary limited liability company corporation or a municipal subdivision of the state. So, therefore, it's a natural municipal subdivision of the state corporation, partnership, and or fiduciary, which none of those things apply. And they just said, they went, oh, because they had no clue. They've never read it themselves. They don't. They have statutes in the code. I caught a judge. I got a judge now on two times on a recording, on a foreclosure with a friend of mine. I go in there and I did a, a 18 U.S.C. subsection four misprism of felony. And just for those people who don't know what misprism of felony is means, if you have knowledge of a crime that is cognizable of a court of the United States and fail to make known to some judge or other officer of the United States within the most, what well, I forget how it says it, within the earliest possible time, then you may be fined or imprisoned not more than three years or both. So I use that to my advantage. I will, because my friend uh, kind of didn't do what he needed to do, so I just spontaneously, spirit led me to just go, okay, well, I am here, and I have knowledge of criminal acts that have been engaged in in this particular activity, that they're coming in under the deed of trust, the deed of trust, and they're coming in as as uh, uh, substitute trustees. There is no provision in the deed of trust, which they are trying to enforce because they're coming in under the deed of trust to do a foreclosure, which is in the deed of trust. They're coming in as substitute trustees. There is no provision, which means, guess what? It's not lawful to for any substitute trustee. I said, there is a provision okay. for a successor oh. trustee. So then okay. the number hold, hold, hold on. Deed of trust, when they do that, that is that is 100%, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they securitize it. That has nothing to do with the point that I'm making right now. 
The point okay. that I'm making right now, it's called contract law. If you if, if if I contract for you to kick me in the ass and 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 I let you kick me in the ass for twenty dollars, okay? That doesn't mean that you're going to pay me twenty two dollars or twenty four dollars. It doesn't mean you get to kick me twice, okay? A contract is a contract. It's very well specified, and that's why these recent cases, a Supreme Court case of rescission, actually said the same thing. It is clear and unambiguous. I mean, there's no there's no way to misunderstand exactly what it's saying. A notice of rescission constitutes rescission. Okay? It's the same thing. A contract that says you can kick me in the ass for twenty dollars. It's not kick twice, it's very clear, very specific. That which is not that which is not expressly included is expressly excluded. Okay? So it doesn't mean that you can uh, you know, kick me in the ass and then kiss me on the lips. No, because that's another forty dollar charge. Okay? So you can't do those things that are not in the contract. Same thing here. The court is in for they're coming in under a deed of trust. That is the contract. In this case, the contract happens to be the form of a trust, okay, which is even more serious, breaching a trust. Okay? And what they're doing is they're coming in under a substitute trustee. If you go and look in that deed of trust, there is no provision for a substitute trustee. Number one. So they're coming in without capacity. They clearly can't have standing. And, and in fact, they're coming under a fraudulent uh, a label, name, capacity, whatever you want to call it. Number two, there is no provision in the deed of trust for the trustee of any sort to bring a foreclosure action. And if you go further, you could say, well, actually, it would be the trustee breaching the trust because the trustee's first obligation is to the grantor through the trust as it specifies, and his job is to pay is to be sure that the res is only granted to the proper party. So he actually should be there protecting the 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 res, which is the house, the home, whatever it is, is in there. He should be protecting it to make sure that whoever's bringing it is is the one who's entitled. And you don't see the trustee there, which is another breach, as far as I'm concerned. But never can a trustee bring unless it's specified within that he can bring an action of, uh, to foreclose or take the property. Remember, the property is a last resort. Who's the maker of this deed of trust? You are. Who is the ultimate beneficiary of the trust? You okay. are. Can, can, I stop you? Can, can I stop you? In res, they want, they want, their judge is happy when it's in res. Why is that? No, res is the thing of value that's in the in the deed of trust or any trust. Res is merely the diamond ring, the funding, the business. Res, R-E-S, just simply means the thing of value that's put in there. Without res, you don't have a trust. Without a trustee, you don't have a trust. Without a beneficiary, you don't have a trust. Now, why, the, why was the judge happy that it was in res? I don't see what that's got to do with why it's necessary to interrupt my role here. What has that got to oh, do with I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, maybe, oh, shut we, can up. Wait. maybe we can wait for, uh, you know, a half an hour or an hour or something when, when Colin wants to say No, okay, it's only five minutes. I've got question. five more minutes on this. It's real simple. You've got to read the freaking law. You've got to read the contract. Contract is law. Law is contract. A, a judge, all of these people, all these entities, excuse me, persons, all these persons can only do that which they are authorized in law, contract, contract law, what they are authorized to do. Hale versus Hinkle is very clear. It says they are subject to their corporate charter. It just so happens that this new type of uh, 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 government that we have established is a, a, a corporation type of government. That's why it has Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, Article 6. 
and then it has amendments, and it has sections. It is a contract. It is a corporate entity. It's designed in a corporate entity for a reason. It can only do, and it is restricted. Again, hell versus equal people start at 74, go into 75. I'll see them pulled up here and read it to you in a minute. But it's so important. This is one of the oldest Supreme Court cases. And what it's telling you is very clear. They cannot do anything they are not authorized to do. The same thing with contract law. It's all contract law. And contract also is a treaty, is a contract. A contract means that there's obligations and, and, and stipulations and authorities. What does it say? Deriving its just powers from the consent of the governed. Okay, what is that saying? Going back to the unanimous Declaration of Independence, which is a trust because it said in Congress assembled, okay, it was the first act that Congress did. So, and, and everything else has been done since then has been done with, under the Congress, under Congress, but it was, and it says clearly in the unanimous Declaration of Independence at the end, that it was done under the authority and by the people, okay? And if you go to Article 9, where, where it says that the enumeration of certain rights is not to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Go to article, go to number 10. Number 10 says the powers not delegated to the United States. What does that tell you? If it wasn't delegated to the United States, they ain't got it. What is that saying? The same thing I'm saying. If the trustee, if the, if the trust, the, the deed of trust, whatever it is that you have, does not specifically give authority or power to do something, they do not have it. The people have virtually unlimited power. In fact, it says in Hale versus Hinkle, again, page 74, his power to contract is unlimited. What does Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution say? No state shall make any law abridging the obligation of contract. So when I say obligation of contract, the first thing you have to do is read the contract. If it's law and they're trying to enforce law, statute, and code, read the code of the statute of the law and see if it's enforceable. Code's not enforceable. Why? Because it's an interpretation of statute, which is the, which is the part that is enacted. Code is not enacted. I got that slap in the face again because I forgot about it the last time I went into court and I wanted to be called as an expert witness on code. And you know what the judge said? Unless you wrote the code or you are the copyright holder, you cannot be called as an expert on the code. What? Well, that makes sense because code is an interpretation, copywritten document of the statutes. Now, statutes are the people's. It's been properly enacted. Okay? And it is contract. If it's not authorized, you can't do it. It's the same thing with the deed of trust. Going back now. Now I've laid that foundation. Everyone understand, if it's not in the contract, you can't do it. There is no provision in the contract means it's not authorized. Therefore, when I said there is no provision, I am saying there is no authorization. Therefore, anything that they do that is not authorized is unlawful, a breach of the trust in this case or a breach of the contract. The fact that they're coming into court as an attorney, which is an officer of the court, means that they're breaching their, their fiduciary as well as their sworn duty to support what? The Constitution, which does what? Protects your right, the equal rights, the equal protections of the law, 
uh, and you cannot be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process law and in accordance with the Constitution. Because why? That's the contract that they are under. They are under that contract. We are above it. We are entitled. We are, in fact, beneficiaries of that trust known as the Unanimous Declaration of Independence, from which all forms of government from that point on were created to do what? To secure our rights, okay? And to what? And the powers are delegated in such form as to them, us, shall seem most likely to effect our safety and happiness. And if it doesn't, then we need to alter or abolish it. This is what is very simple. So when I say that there is no provision, which means there's no authority, there's no provision within the deed of trust that authorizes the trustee or any trustee, even the successor trustee or the original trustee, to engage in any activity as to a foreclosure action or, in fact, bring any action at all. If you go and read in there, and again, once you know what they can do, you know what they can't do. There are only two, I think, three things that the, that the trustee can do. First one, two lines up. It says that the lender, not somebody else, not lender, at least not a mine, not lender in a side, it says lender shall mail or cause the trustee to mail. Okay, so who's supposed to cause it? The lender. The trustee cannot do it on its own because it doesn't say the trustee. It says, shall cause the trustee to mail. So either the lender mails it, not the servicer, the lender, or cause the trustee to mail the notice of default and acceleration, and it has all the requirements that it's supposed to be in that letter. Okay, that's number one. Then later on it says, upon, and there's one other thing, I can't remember what it is right now. Oh, yeah, oh, I know what it is. Okay, upon the order given, in other words, once the, the lender at its option has chosen to screw you out of the house because he can't see any other way of collecting anything, he can't negotiate anything with you, which is, like I said, it's a very, very, very last resort here, that he then, or he or she, it uh, then does the foreclosure action, not using the trustee or anyone else, okay? And once that's completed, then he will tell he, the, the lender, who's the only one that can do a foreclosure action, at least on mine, then we'll tell the trustee to sell the property and take the proceeds and give it to, guess who, the lender, okay? Now, here's what's fascinating. At that point, then the trustee has one more obligation, to, or actually two more. The next one is that it says the trustee, here's your provision, the trustee shall create a trustee's deed. And on that trustee's deed, it shall clearly state that this is a, let me say, no warranty express or implies shall be on that trustee's deed. Now, the way they get around that is they call it a special warranty. Special warranty, when you look it up, you think, oh, I'm so special, I got a special warranty. Well, go look up the definition of special warranty, and you find out that special warranty means no warranty express or implied. Isn't that amazing? So let me ask you, if I've got a warranty deed in this hand and you've got a non-warranty deed, which one do you think trumps? So that's the first thing. So anyone who buys that property, if you've ever been to an auction, the auctioneer takes a good 15 or 20 minutes to make sure you know that you're buying it as is, no warranty, express or implied. So you bought it knowing full well. And guess what? If the lender is buying it using the alleged credit that he still has, he's buying the property, no warranty, express or implied too. So that's it. The next thing, the last thing that is an obligation of the trustee, it says that the trustee shall return 
the note, I'm not sure it's a trustee or the lender. Huh. I have to reread that. But either way, the note shall be returned, marked, paid. And if the obligation has been fulfilled, then also the property shall be reconveyed. Wait a minute. Why do I go through this? Because it is clear that this trust, this deed of trust, was specifically created for the beneficiary of the maker, the grantor. Because everything reverts, when everything is completed as it was intended, again, there's intent, is ten-tenths of the law, and it was completed as intended. Now, that doesn't mean you have to pay it. It just means that the obligation is fulfilled, which is the alleged debt. We'll get into that in a second. The alleged debt on the deed of trust, once it is satisfied, and I have uh, in my documents where the alleged bank, after the foreclosure, went and waved and said that the debt has been satisfied. They're not going to pursue it. Therefore, ding, 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 that, that necessity has been fulfilled. It is now satisfied. Now the requirement for the note to be returned is now in place. They have not returned the note. And I can't tell you how many quote-unquote loans I have had that I've completely fully paid and never got the note back, as I'm supposed to, because it's still out there. They're still trading it. That's another story. Right now I'm just talking about the deed of trust. So that, that now, if the if it's been satisfied and you and everything went as it's supposed to, what happens to the res that's in the trust? It is reconveyed back to the grantor. So who ultimately is the beneficiary of this whole business? The grantor is. The other one is only a named beneficiary in the event of kind of like a fire extinguisher. A fire extinguisher is there in the event of a fire. If you do not have a fire, you have no business. In fact, I believe there's actually code and law or statute or whatever that says if you're in a public place or restaurant or otherwise and you tamper with, pick up, or misuse the fire extinguisher that you can actually be charged with a crime or a misdemeanor. That gives you an idea of what we're talking about here. When they take the res that's in that deed of trust, which was there only as a security to secure what? the debt evidenced by the note. We'll get into that in a second. It is there for one particular purpose, the intent, ten-tenths of the law, and that is to secure the debt evidenced by the note. So if there's no debt evidenced by the note, then the deed of trust no longer is necessary, its mission has been fulfilled, and it collapses. The property is reconveyed back to you, and then we can discuss the note. All right. So... The fact is, is that it is there only as a, to secure the debt evidence by the note. When they take it for and use it in any other form or fashion, they void it. It is void, and the trustee should actually void the deed of trust and reconvey it back to the grantor. This is what really should be happening. That's an obligation of the, of the trustee because his obligation first is to secure the res and make sure that it's only used for the purpose. He's the guard. That's why he's called the trustee. Oh, I don't trust you, but I'm going to let you be the trustee of my grandchildren? No. Trustee is supposed to be trusted, all right? You're putting your res, your house, everything, whatever it is that you have, you're entrusting, and that's what it means, to entrust to the trustee, okay? So when they use it as the underlying asset of a remic or any other thing, they have now breached the trust, and guess what? They cannot do that. It now breaches the trust, the trust now, the purpose for which it was created, which was to secure a, do a debt, alleged debt, evidenced by the note, no longer exists. It's been misused. It's been abused. Guess what? It goes back to you, the grantor, because you're the ultimate beneficiary. Okay. So hopefully that 
lays that out. If you want more, I'll talk about the note if you want. Well, thank you, Colin. That was a pile of information. Yeah, we'll have to listen to that again. I will. Hey, Sonia. But uh, but I'm trying to follow you. But if you can just slow just a little. Um, yeah, super super information. Sonia. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to see if Colin could. Colin, if not, they don't have not, a note. Not drink, not drink coffee before the show. <laughs> hey, Colin, could, could you could you explain what a grantor is, or give examples? you know, scenarios or something everybody can understand that's not involved with that. And also, if they don't have a note, because nine and ten, they don't have a note. On mute. I'm sorry, I didn't understand your question, Cheyenne. They're not going to, they claim that they are the holder of the note. Yeah. If you ask them for the notes, they don't have the note. Yeah. Yeah, they do do that, don't they? They claim they don't have it. When you try to find it, they can't find it. <laughs> so the note is somewhere floating yeah. at Wall Street, I guess. And Roddy had a question he Skype me earlier and asked if uh, Colin could give a couple of examples. You know, something where we can we can all relate um, to. Um, my brain's full now. Sorry, go ahead again, Roddy. We've got two questions going at Colin. Who oh, you wanted some examples? Colin's still here. It takes me a second to unmute. It's star six. Yeah, he's so awful quiet. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. I hung up by mistake. I pushed the wrong button. I was trying to unmute, and I pushed the hang-up button. That's okay. well, we, were talking, we were talking okay. badly about you. About, about we, the great um, and, and Rodney said all bad stuff about you, Colin. Well, I know he did. He always talks bad about me. I know. No, we were talking about if you could slow down and uh, elaborate on <laughs> some of the terms. Okay, so the the grantor, it, there's different terms for the same basic thing. Grantor, trustor, creator. I believe those are the only three that I know of. They all mean the same thing. And the one you can use which works best would be creator because we are creators, people. Hello. All right. We are creators. We are co-creators, but we're also being given... Uh, and endowed by our creator to be creators. And that's why we can create contract. His right to, con- excuse me, his power to contract is unlimited. So what they did, let me, I'll do a little history on trust. What was happening is when people back in England, way back when, people were, were dying, obviously, and it, they didn't have trust back then. They didn't have any legal way of keeping it in the family. And what was happening is they were first donating it to the church. And over time, the neighbors would see the family, the whole estate being taken over, and the family and everybody being thrown out on the street. So there began to be very little trust for the church, okay, who they trusted would take care as being a church, okay, kind and love and all that good stuff, this is what they professed, but here they were actually doing mean and cruel things of taking all of the property, not giving anything to the family or any of the workers that had been on it all their lives. 
Then they started giving in to the state. But then guess what? The king, the, the, I call it the state, the king uh, ended up doing the same type of craziness. Or maybe it's reversed. It was for the king first and then the, the church later. But either way, they needed to come up with something. Now, back in those days, men would go on business trips for sometimes a very long time. And they wanted somebody to manage their estate while they were gone. So what they did was they created, well, first they would say, hey, you know, will you watch my, you know, it's like watch my dog while I'm gone for a couple weeks. You know, and your neighbor says, okay, sure. But again, you have to trust them. Well, then they started to come up with a contract, which is where the whole concept of trust came from. And that's where it comes, remember, if you remember, um, Sonia, we're talking about Sesta KV Trust. The Sesta KV Trust, which was just called the Sesta KV, actually it's pronounced Sesta KV, which was created back then for this particular purpose. It now just comes down to trustee. A trustee is somebody that you trust, that you name to perform. Think of a will. Everyone knows what a will is. A will is just another name for a trust. You are the grantor. You're the creator. Well, I'm going to put my, my uh, um, uh, uh, what do we, diamond necklace for, for this daughter, and I want my rubies for that daughter, and I want my flip-flops for my son. Whatever it is, you, whatever you had on this earth, when you leave, you want it to be distributed in accordance with your will. That's what they call it a will. But what the will is is a trust. You're the grantor. You create it. You sat down and you go, well, what do I want to do? Mm, let me think. Mm. Well, go away. You know, it's my desire. It's my wish to go ahead and make sure that so-and-so gets that, so-and-so gets that. Well, that little dirty bastard, he ain't getting nothing. And that's what you do. You create your will, and you put it into the form of a trust because you now have, they call it an executor. A trustee is basically the same thing as an executor of the trust. They are obligated to fulfill your desire, your wish, as you intend it to happen. Now, what is the res? The res is the diamond necklace, the, the, the other jewelry, your money, the account, whatever it is that you had, stocks, bonds, um, the homes, whatever it is that you happen to have that you want to be distributed in the manner you want it distributed to. You've worked all your life for it. It's yours to do it as you please, and you want to make sure that the proper parties or proper people get it. That's, and some people put stuff into, for instance, you might put it into a, um, a um, what do you call it, a, um, uh, what do you call those things? Um, um, I can't even think of the name of it now. For a um, nonprofit, what do they call that? Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. it it's um, benefit for benefits other people. I can't think of it. Charity. Charity. I got it. Charity. Finally got it. And uh, one of the cases you really want to read, uh, which it does drag it out quite a bit, and if you contact me through email, truthmonger6 at gmail.com, I'll send you a copy, which I've already highlighted, what I consider to be the important part, which is actually damn near most of it. It's like, I think like I didn't realize it was that long because I just got so through enthralled with reading it. I think I did it in one reading. It's like 96 pages, I think. Anyway, but I've highlighted the really important phrases and stuff in there, so you can go through and hit, hit the highlights. And it's called Dartmouth College. And what the case was about was it was in uh, 1819. Give you an idea how old it was. So it's very close to the very beginning of the republic after the Revolutionary War. And that's kind of important because that lets you know what the intent of everything was because they were closest to it at that point. 
What Dartmouth College was, it was a trust that was created and it was incorporated. Uh, but it was created as a trust and it was incorporated to do a specific and had a mission statement, okay, that it ha- this was its purpose for what it was supposed to do, just like your will. What is your mission statement? Well, my mission statement is, is I want this to go here, that to go there, and I want this to go to a charity. So you can have maybe a whole paragraph or a whole section or maybe several pages as to what type of charity. And you can you can see what all these things have happened with the charity. And if it's not that type of charity, what you can there's all sorts of options you can put in there. But keeping it real simple, you want it to go to the charity that's going to help uh, 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 only destitute children. Or in this case, Dartmouth College was to educate Indians in the Christian faith. That's what it was specifically for. And so and and what happened was they got a granting from one of the lords in England, this college was created early, before the Revolutionary War, and they got a grant from one of the lords, I believe it was, or one of the grand poobahs, and other investors in England that wanted to do a nice thing. Yes, not all English people are mean and nasty and terrible. And they wanted to provide for it, so they donated money in trust to the trustees of that particular trust, which was incorporated, and there's all sorts of different levels you see in the case, but it's all basically there, in order to perform its mission statement, which was to educate, and it also allowed that the college would be open to any other students as well of that particular state. Well, what happened was after the Revolutionary War, the state, or the, um, what do they call it, the, um, not the state itself, it's called the, not the county, Gosh, I can't think of it. Okay, the legislature, there we go. The legislature had made law or enacted statute that basically said that the college now was going to be rearranged. It was going to have new trustees. It was going to have a new governor. It was going to have a new this and that. And it was going to be incorporated with all the other ones. And the issue came up as to whether the state, whether the legislature could make such. And the answer was, in, in the long, they argue back and forth, the answer was no. And the reason was because it was a trust, the res, which is the thing, which was the property, as well as all the finances and money that was donated, was put in trust into that trust, and it was incorporated. And that they were the trustees, and they could not breach the trust. This, so you have, you have four elements of a trust for an, a, a trust to be, and they usually call it expressing. You express a trust. Express, because you're expressing your will. So you have four elements. You have a, a grantor. A grantor also is called, in the old days, it used to be called a trustor, O-R. Think of creator, trustor, grantor, creator, uh, lendor. Um, I think that's the only ones I can think of. Those O-Rs, usually if they pronounce that way, it gives you an idea of where, where it, that's the source. Then there has to be a trustee, fiduciary, obligee. Well, actually, there's obligee and obligor. Sorry about that. So you usually the E's are somebody who has an obligation. Okay. So the trustee is somebody that you trust, somebody that is entrusted with fulfilling the obligation of the trust, which also uh, most people would know in a will would be the executor. And that's why they did all that nonsense with the executor, executrix, bull stuff, which 
obviously didn't make any sense because people didn't know what they were talking about and they weren't using it properly. So you have the trustor, I mean, excuse me, the trustee. Then you have the res. The res is the thing which is being put in there. If you don't have a thing, you don't have a trust. Now, the reason I mention that is extremely important to understand, as I've stated a couple hundred thousand times, is that the unanimous declaration of the 13 colonies, uh, the 13 states of the 13 United States of America in Congress Assemble is in fact a trust because what is the res? They said they put their lives, their property, and their sacred honor. There is your res. They put their lives, they put their property, and they put their sacred honor. There is your res. There is the substance, the thing that has value. Okay? And there is trust. We go through each and each section. So now you have the beneficiary. So you have a grantor, creator, grantor, trustor. I, I like to call it the creator. You have the creator, grantor. I am granting my property. I am granting that this shall happen. Okay? Because how can you be a grantor? And here, let me let me back up a little bit here. Lay a foundation. How on earth can you be a grantor if you're not empowered to be a grantor? So the evidence is that you are empowered. You have power to be a grantor. And as it says, his power to contract is unlimited. What does that tell you? You have unlimited power. Okay? Unlimited power to contract as you see fit. So you're the grantor. You're the creator of this thing. And you establish what it is about, what it's for, what's to be done, what the trustee's supposed to be done, what is going to happen to the res, what can happen to the res, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and, and, and what and who and the beneficiary. For instance, you may actually have created, as the college did, it created a perpetual trust, which means as long as there's property, as long as there's somebody who can take on this position, as long as there's funds to run it, then it will continue to function. Now, in this case, part of, like in the businesses or other incorporations, you will have it where part of what it does is to generate money in order to continue in business, in order to continue providing those services and those things which was granted by the grantor in trust to do. If it goes bankrupt, it goes bankrupt. Okay? But if it's not bankrupt, it still exists, it still has the obligation to provide those things in accordance with the trust as it is laid out. The beneficiary is called entitled. A beneficiary may enforce the entitlement of the trust, as so too can the trustee. The trustee can enforce, and that's actually who came up here, is the trustee can enforce and should enforce anything that might be a breach. And a trustee can enforce his obligation. In other words, if a state legislature, somebody like that's making law that tries to make it so he can't do his job as it was stipulated to or expressed in the trust, then he has the right to go to court and say, hey, I'm the trustee here, and I have the right to enforce this trust the way it was written, not the way they're interpreting it, not the way they're maligning it, misusing it. The beneficiary is entitled to the benefits. The beneficiary is not necessarily entitled to know all of the goings-on of the trust. There's different issues about that. But the beneficiary is entitled. It's a matter of right. Is entitled to the benefits that are stipulated in that trust. And he knows 
owes no obligation for it. There is no obligation of a beneficiary. Why? I cannot obligate you to do something, nor can anyone else. So therefore, if I create a trust, I cannot obligate you to that contract unless you're a signer to the contract. A trust is not that type of a contract. The contract is between you and the trustee, and the trustee takes it on. And that contract, the trustee now becomes an obligor to the trust. The beneficiary is the one that is there who is supposed to benefit in the manner prescribed in the deed of trust. I mean, excuse me, in the trust, whatever it is. Same thing in your will. Okay, so that's why I could argue, a little side note here, I would argue all day long about anyone receiving something as due to a will that it can be taxed. How can, it, how can that, which is granted either by will or trust, be interfered with by any, any state? In my opinion, and, and I think it's a matter of law, it can't because it would be breaching. If, if, if your trust says that they shall receive $3,229 and a tax would make it three, only $300, then you haven't been given that which you're entitled to, have you? So it would be breaching the trust. So the tax breaches the trust. That's simple. So a tax, and, we're, and not only that, but where is it that the state or any or legislature or anyone else was made party to that trust. And that's why you always want to make sure that you have a will so that the state, it doesn't go into probate because the what that means, it goes to the state, which then distributes it according to what it believes it should be done. Okay? So now you have it laid out. Now, let me, one other little very important point here. You could be the grantor and the trustee. You could be the grantor and the beneficiary. You can be the trustee and the beneficiary. You cannot be all three unless, in other words, you cannot be the grantor, trustee, and the beneficiary. Unless there is a loop, there is a loophole, if you want to call it a loophole. There is one situation or a few situations where that's not true, and I've had discussions about that, and I can show it, look it up, it's real simple. If there is more than one grantor, more than one trustee, or more than one beneficiary, then you indeed could hold all three positions as one of the grant, one of the grantors, one of the trustees, and one of the beneficiaries. So collectively, you could have two people come together, and it's beginning to sound familiar, or you could have 13 people come together representing a whole bunch of people that come together, they put something in writing to create a trust. They now create the trustees, the trustees then are certain persons that consent to being governed and therefore they are granted their just powers in order to ensure that all of the people are the beneficiaries without obligation. But it does not negate them, the grantors, from being the beneficiaries. And it does not negate them from being the trustees. As it says, all public servants are trustees. So that's why they can be all three, a grantor, a trustee, and a beneficiary because there is more than one. Does that clarify anything? Does that Hopefully that clarifies things for you. Hello? Is anybody out there? <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm just typing into the board here, Colin. Okay. Um, any other questions? Any, any questions that spun off of that? I'll, I'll be glad to address them. Okay, I'm just taking a look here. <clears throat> there are a few questions, and and I'm trying to answer to the best that I can. But I know that you um, you could probably do a better job, Colin. I know you could. 
Um, just 13. <laughs> just, uh, is this not a common law room? Uh, he says, it sounds like Dean Clifford. <laughs> I, he said, I thought this was a common law room. So what I wrote here, um, if I could find myself, hang on, give me one second. I, I feel like I'm rushing now, Colin. i got to slow down here. I said, 13, this is real common law, which is the common law of the people. If you trust one to care for your property and you break that trust, okay, this is you know, basically what you're speaking about, you know, if, if uh, you know, who's in trust here and and who's, who's breaking the laws and, and, um, you know, that's what you're into, but just, it, it just seems deeper to, to, to people, you know, they don't seem to understand it and, and it's going to take us time to grasp all the, the points well, and the terms and things like that. But everyone's so used to hearing, um, you know, like Carl, Carl's common law. I think that's and and seeing seeing when I when I post it's common law Ontario Canada. People you know are thinking totally different. They're not seeing um, the way you're seeing it. And it is all all law. Like I said, if if uh, you know I trust you to take care of my dog while I'm away, and you break that trust, you break the contract. It's all about contract, and we're in a contract world. So this is what you're you're talking about is these contracts, you know. And, well, you don't um, you don't get any more common law than trust law. You don't get exactly. in contract. There, that is that is common law. It's the essence of common law because you have an agreement between two people. That's the essence of common law. An agreement, and then you have the enforcement of that agreement. That is the most common law of all. So I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because exactly. if the moment you use law, you're talking about law. Well, what is law? Law is contract. Contract is law. I already covered that. So if you don't have contract, then you don't have law. So you don't have any common law. It can be written. It can be oral. Some people seem to think that common law is only that which is oral. Just, okay, wait a minute. One minute we had common law, but now I put it on a piece of paper. It no longer exists. Okay, I had a right a minute ago, but now that we put that right on a piece of paper, you don't have that right anymore. It's asinine. Um, Does anyone have any other questions? I'm just trying to – it's hard to follow the – chat board too. There's a, a lot of chatting going on here, uh, which is nice. Everybody's oh, yeah. oh, Hi, Sonia. It's, hey, it's Janine. Hey, Colin. Um, you did say that you'll send us something um, if we, you know, if we um, post you an email. So I, I can't remember what you said you'd send us. Yeah. Um, if you send it to truthmonger6 at gmail.com and say, paste law, please. Um, and this particular one, it would be dark month college. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to put one. I already did for some other people. I sent one to Sonia, but I have a couple more case law and some other determinations, um, which are, you know, basically they were done properly in, in what you call common common law. Again, there's nothing wrong with courts. Courts are other people, and we're making a determination based upon what makes common sense and what, what, what is true and what is not true. That's common, to me, common law is what, what is true. And it's just that simple. And what we're, what we're talking about here, the difference between common law and statute law, the code law, which is administrative law, not, common, not to the common man. And common law, which means that, hey, I have an agreement with you and you breached it or you injured me. Okay, if we don't have a con- we have a, an unwritten contract, okay, between all of us, and that is not to trespass upon each other. 
That's an unwritten contract. So common law is when you trespass on me. Well, if you and I have that agreement, even though it's not written down in a civilized society, hey, this is my property. You're trespassing my property. You injured me. Okay? But if they didn't injure you, then how can you have a claim against me in common law? Which goes back to what Carl goes on about. Wherefore out the injured party? Again, where's the injured party? That's the reason I covered this is because if you have now can you imagine can you imagine going to the local market, go back a couple hundred years if you want, go back to the common law era, which people keep thinking is only a couple hundred years ago, but you go to the, the market, the farmer's market, and you you um you give somebody some money, they go, Well, how much for this for these uh for these uh, potatoes, this bag of potatoes? They say six bucks. So you give them six bucks and they don't give you the potatoes. Well, I mean, haven't you been injured? I mean, you didn't put it in paper, but it was clearly an agreement. Uh, what other court would you say that's a common law, uh, uh, some something in common law? Yeah, well, I paid you six bucks and you didn't give me the potatoes. You you breached the contract. And as a re- listen to what I'm about to say. As a result of the breach of the contract, I was injured, damaged, whatever you want, however you want to phrase it. So I have a right. I have a claim. So I'm going to bring a claim. Hey, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. I gave this man six bucks for potatoes. He didn't give me no damn old potatoes. No, I don't want you lynching them. I just want my damn potatoes. You can't lynch them because that would be what? Improper, unlawful. But you could cause him to make you give either the $6 back or the potatoes. Now, I don't know any more common law than that. That's the foundation. So if we have law that says, a common law that says you shall not trespass upon me, which means I'm, in the, I'm at the farmer's market, you're at the farmer's market, I don't have any dealings with you. But you come along and you see that I finally got my, pound, my six pounds of potatoes or whatever it was, and you come along, I set my six pounds of potato bag down on the side while I go and look at some other vegetables, and you come along and snatch out two or three potatoes. Now, you and I don't have a contract, do we? So you haven't breached any contract with me. But you've stolen from me. So you trespassed. Trespass is a breach of the basic common law contract to not trespass on somebody else. And just to ask, if you don't mind, Colin, to what you're saying, and to, to in, in my way, maybe I can help my friends that are studying with Carl, and, and since I can understand where Carl's coming from and where you're coming from, maybe I can explain in my in my way, the way I Please. understand it too, you know, what's happening here is, is with the banks, uh, especially the banks, you know, because in credit cards and property tax and, and all these administrative uh, uh, things that are going on here, is they're, they're, they're screwing us left and right because they're making us think that we owe this. You know, when we don't, um, I don't know a whole lot about the banks yet, but I'm beginning to learn that we are actually, with our signature, creating the money. So the money is, is ours. We actually create it because they don't have it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I'm fine. You know, I, I'm looking into things like property tax because I believe that as as a woman living on the land or a man living on the land, we don't have to pay for that. That's an inalienable right from God that we have the right to eat, 
to drink water, to breathe. And these things we shouldn't be like Bob from California would say we sh- we shouldn't have to pay money for through our labor. So we're getting more as we're learning more. You know, we learn from Carl the basics of of common law. But you know, really these debts that that they're 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 screwing us for. Do we really owe these debts? You know, it's different if you like you say you want to go out and you buy buy a bag of potatoes. And yeah, okay, you're going to give them, you know, the the paper the paper money that the government um, is is you know has conned us into using. Yeah, you're going to give the man something for a bag of potatoes. But really, when you know uh, our property, you know, when we're living in our homes and and living on our land, and they're trying to tell us that we owe this, and and when we go to the banks, um, are are we really creating this money? Does it really belong to the bank, or is it ours? Let me jump in there because there's a few things I want to make sure you're precise on. Sure. It is a misnomer, in my opinion, from all of my studies, and I used to believe that uh, sort of to a degree, but it still never sat right with me that we're creating money out of thin air. That's not true. Okay. What, that's the reason I went through this whole process so that people can be cleared as to what really is going on. What's really going on is that, guess what? We are trust fund babies. Now, I just explained to you what a trust is, and everybody now knows what a trust fund is. It's a fund that is created for your great-grandchildren out of a trust that was created. Well, our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers, and which I, my family was that my parents got adopted into when they became uh, uh, naturalized citizens, and I was born here. So I'm, I'm a natural-born citizen of this trust, which makes me a, a, a entitled child, if you will, kind of like the child of God. We are entitled to. Now, as beneficiaries, why I went through this, so important to understand this. We are beneficiaries, okay, of a lot of different things, which means we are entitled to different things. Now, what happened in, with Roosevelt is he took, he basically put in trust all of the lands and everything else and in return, so you can't, you can't take something without getting something in return. It's not a contract. It would be theft. So in return, what happened was, and the reason is because it was recognized by the banksters and everybody else, that every man and every woman that was here was going to produce a certain amount. That they, they had a certain worth, not only, not only equitable worth, what they would probably produce in a lifetime, but they were, what they would spend because the banks make money when you spend and when you when, that's why it's called currency because it must flow all the time. If it doesn't flow, then it doesn't generate uh, the use, and the use of it then doesn't create, unfortunately, the truth is, interest for the banks because there was never any, any, uh, tra- any, any currency going back and forth. You wouldn't have work being done. You wouldn't have jobs being done. You wouldn't have big, huge things happening. So what they created was a currency based upon the good faith and credit of the people. Okay, so what it is is they're actually using our credit, and in exchange for using that credit, my near uh, a couple of years ago, my nearest calculation was six point two billion dollars. Okay, per person or per people. Now I believe it's quite a bit more because most of the deflation of the of the dollar. So we could probably put it in ounces of gold, and it says that you're worth your weight in gold. That might be another way of doing it. So. If you do that, you realize that you're not going to spend the $6.2 billion, and you wouldn't really know what to do with it if you had it. 
and you'd have to find a place to store it. So to eliminate all of that, the carrying of gold, going back to that again, and having these, you know, trying to put your money into a mattress somewhere, what happened was is we became creditors and beneficiaries at the same time. We already were beneficiaries to begin with. We have the rights in Hale versus Hinkle who says he owes no duty to the state since he receives nothing therefrom but the protections of his life and property, meaning what? That the state is obligated just by the fact that the people existed, just like if I create a bicycle, I have the right to ride it, okay? That the state was created to protect our rights, our life, and our property. So that's a given. That is a benefit that is something that we are entitled to. We don't have to give anything back to that. So as a result, now, when you sign something, what you're doing is you are accessing the account from which you are entitled. Like, think of yourself as a trust fund baby. Okay? That is the truth of the matter. What they're doing is they're taking your signature, which is authorizing the treasury through the Federal Reserve to go ahead and create new currency so that it may be utilized so that you may have what it is that you want. That's the truth. That's what's really going on. That's why I can tell you that the banks never loaned you anything. Well, first of all, we know they're not allowed to. But the fact is that that's you give them and that's why it says, and you can go study this, another section of law. Uh, all these different sections I've studied, they all end up with, the same, with similar conclusions, why I can say it so affirmatively. I'm not just using one. I've studied all sorts of different positions and come to the same conclusion and find it. All obligations of the people, excuse me, all debts of the people are obligations of the United States. And I believe I shared with you guys that I've done all sorts of things to get things discharged, through either the state or the United States and other things. And many of them, in fact, all of them except for one, I was unable to discharge a cable bill. And what was the other thing? Yeah, a cable bill. I could never do a cable bill, and I could also never do a cell phone bill. And I couldn't figure out why. I got all the other stuff discharged. All the other debts, I got discharged in accordance with the law. But I could never get a cable bill discharged, and I could never get... A, um, a cell phone bill paid. And it wasn't until years later that I discovered, because I had an out-of-date or late payment to my cable bill, that that's when a guy says, oh, you pay a month in advance. Oh, my gosh, look at that. What it was was proof that only the debts are obligations of the United States. If I'm paying something in advance, that's not a debt yet, is it? It's not an obligation. So it couldn't be an obligation in the United States, and therefore it couldn't get discharged. And that makes perfect sense. Again, it is proof that they know exactly what's going on, that debt is an obligation to the United States. So what the whole thing is a Wizard of Oz bullshit stuff in order to get you to believe. That's why they go through the whole lending process. Well, you've got to fill out an application. You've got to do this and you've got to do this. They are conditioning you to signing, to signing, to do as you're told, to, oh, please, 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 can I get a loan? Oh, well, you can't get, you know, when you go buy a car, you've got a salesman that sells you the car. He then passes you off to the salesman that's going to sell you the concept that you're borrowing money from a totally different organization, even though it appears to have the same name. Like you got Toyota Motor Company, but then you have Toyota Motor Lending Company, totally different company, although it has the same name, but people don't investigate. And it's a lending institution that doesn't actually lend, 
Because loan means giving something. And I look it up in Black's Law. Look up loan and look up lender. They both say that they must give something to you. They must give something with the intent of getting repaid. And that's why when you go to the loan, to the note, I keep stressing this, go to the note. It says what? In return for a loan I have received. Okay? That is called a condition proceeding. I'll get there in a second. Let me go backwards. So when you put your signature on a piece of paper, you are the authorized signature authorizing if your if your social security number anything in the United States is there and you can show it to your sis and all that stuff is very important. You are authorizing the treasury through the when you start learning all about what the um the um 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 uh, the Federal Reserve is actually obligated to do, and they go through all this whole process, which I'm not going to go into. Other people can do it. You can study for yourself. But just short version is that basically you're authorizing the Treasury, and they take your instrument with your signature authorizing them to do this. They create currency from your credit. Now, I'm going to tell a real quick story to explain it to you. I bought a a large building in Oklahoma. It's a true story, Okay. Bought a large building in Oklahoma. I negotiated a deal with this man, and out of that negotiation, I still owed him ten thousand dollars. Okay, I actually owed him more, but we we I, that was put on the payment section. Ten thousand dollars of which I owed him. We had made an agreement that he could come to the hardware store at any time, and he could get materials at cost, and he would deduct it from the ten thousand dollars that I owed him. Now, at that moment, he intended, when we signed the contract, he intended, it was fully thought that he was going to need 10000 or more dollars worth of material, so it made sense to him. And that was something that I had available because through my business arrangements, I could actually buy things at cost, uh, you know, allegedly, anyway, in this area, it didn't turn out that so. But anyway, so I'm buying things, so I would sell him at cost, you know, I mean, at, at the regular retail price, and he wouldn't have to come out of his pocket with anything. So he comes into the store, and he gets $1,000 worth of material. Does he walk up to the cashier and pay $1,000 out of his pocket? No. He sits there and tells them that he is a creditor, and to please give him the receipt, which he will then print his name. And, of course, I got called by the cashier to come down because they didn't know what to do. Here's this guy saying he's got a $1,000 credit, $10,000 credit. So I come down and I show the cashier how to do it. There's two slips, a copy. You take this one, you put it, he prints his name on there, he signs it, you put that under the drawer with all the other checks, money orders, and other forms of currency other than the Federal Reserve notes. At the end of the day, I then go, as I always do, I go under the drawer first, and I then pull out the filing cabinet that has all of the different accounts in there. And I find his account. I then take the receipt, I make a copy of it, I put it in there, and I take $10,000, and I put minus $1,000, the date, the number that's on the receipt, and now I only owe him, guess what, $9,000. This is a real practical thing. Now, at some point, he realizes, I'm not going to use the other $9,000. But he had a deal with the church. So what did he do? He created an instrument that assigned or transferred $2,000 of his credit to the church. So here comes the pastor of the church. He comes into the hardware store and he says, he gets $1,000 worth of material and he says, oh, I don't need to pay for it. 
I've got a security instrument here that indicates that I have $2,000 worth of credit based on this other man's uh, credit line. Okay, His credit in, it, it, based upon the alleged debt that I have. I mean, it actually was a debt, the debt that I had to him. So again, I got called down. I explained what to do. And then I said, okay, would you like to open an account so that you don't have to we're not going to give you another $1,000 back because we can't do that. So the only thing we can do is cross out the 2000 and put 1000 and hand you back, and now you have a $1,000 instrument. Or I could create an account for you for the other $1,000, and then anybody from your church that you authorize, you're going to put your name on their authorized signature. And there was three of them. They said, yeah, okay. Three, I said, who you trust? So three people, interesting, and church only trusted three people. And he put three people's names down there that were authorized signers that they could come down and get material from the hardware store, and they could deduct it from the $1,000 that was still owed based upon that original credit instrument, which was created and transferred from the original um, um, uh, person who, man who I owned, owed uh, now, uh, what was it, uh, 9000 now it's down to 7000 and now, hopefully, that explains to you exactly what's going on. You are the authorized signer. You're, anytime you're signing something, instead of it being a hardware store, you're just taking it to what should be actually the trustee of the trust and saying, here's my authorized signature. And everybody else is nothing but a go-between man, but they're lying to you about it. Because if, they, if you knew for one minute that you could simply create an instrument authorizing them to transfer your your credit in transferring your uh transposing whatever your credit into funds and then those funds are distributed to all of the parties in accordance with your wishes as as you laid it out then we're done and that's when the transaction was actually complete so and that's why you want to look at double entry bookkeeping on a bank when you go look at the actual bookkeeping of the bank you will see that your note was deposited into general accounting. And then it was. I got a hold of the electronic funds transfer sheet. And it showed right on the electronic funds transfer sheet the moment, the instant, by, because they go by the second. When it was deposited into an account, it then was transferred to the treasury. The treasury then approved it. It came back, and that approval gave them the authority to then transfer as you prescribed to all of the people you wanted to pay. And they got paid a fee for that service. The contract was over at that point. Although technically speaking, the note itself was void ab initio because you never got a loan. And that is a, a that was a, a condition proceeding in return for a loan I have received, I promise to pay. What does that mean? That means your promise to pay is conditional upon having received, past tense, a loan. You never received it. So as a result, the note was void ab initio from the beginning. But as a gentleman, you might say, well, I gave them a note, and they distributed the funds as I asked them to. Okay, we're done. Everything that happened from that moment on was also fraud. Because the moment that that debt that is uh, um, the debt that's secured by, uh, excuse me, once the debt evidenced by the note, which evidenced what? You gave them a credit instrument. They used it as a credit instrument. It was deposited. It'll show you that they had an obligation to make that, to give that back. Just like if you deposit a check or anything else, they have an obligation. Double entry bookkeeping. On the one side it's a plus. On the other side it's a negative. It's an obligation to the bank to get rid of that. So what happened was once they fulfilled their obligation, it, the, the account was show zero. Okay, but they still kept your note, and they still kept your deed of trust. 
at that moment, well, first of all, the deed of trust was never necessary because there was never any debt evidenced by the note. So that's gone and never was. <clears throat> the note itself was actually fraudulently done because you were believed that you were getting a loan when in actual fact you were supposed to have gotten a loan. But, okay, it's, you know, they lied to you, but in the meantime, you got what you wanted, so, all right, no harm, no foul. But from that moment on, you were supposed to receive the note back, marked paid. And, in fact, I went into court very early when I didn't know crap, and I held up the alleged copy of the alleged note, and I held it up and I said, show me on here, Judge, where it says insufficient funds. Show me where it was rejected. There's no rejection on this note if you want to call it a negotiable instrument, which it's not a negotiable instrument, let's be clear on that, but that's what they're calling it. If it was a check or a money order or anything like that, and it, and it bounced, then I could be in default because I'm the one who allegedly wrote it. So I asked the judge, I said, where is it on here where it says insufficient funds, rejected, or anything to that effect? Uh-uh, it's not there. So if it's not there, then it actually worked the way it was supposed to. The only thing is, is that they're supposed to return it back to me marked paid and the transaction is done. Everything else from that point on is fraud, 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 fraud. In Beltelman, um, 18 U.S.C. Uh, 471 through 474, which is a creation of counterfeit instruments, uttering and passing of counterfeit instruments, and on and on and on, and including the courts become accessories to it because the court's granting these counterfeit instruments to be used to make a claim, a fraudulent claim. So does that, I, I just wanted to clear that up that that we don't create it out of thin air. That that's that's a that's a one that will get you into trouble. It already exists. We are already we have the credit based upon other activities before because we are beneficiaries. Let me go back one real quick second. Suppose, just as an example, that I am a trust fund baby. My grandfather was a multi gazillionaire and he put into a trust fund five hundred million dollars. And I realized that I'm not going to be able to use the $500 million, so I put $200 million in, in it to be distributed among people who uh, at such a rate um, that cannot make more than $10,000 a year. That's, that's what I did. I took $500 million, and that's what I did. I set up a trust to do that. Do you owe me anything? No. You're entitled to that. I created the trust. You're entitled to it. When you write a piece of paper because you're entitled to, let's say, your, your particular amount was $5,000 a month, and you sit there and write a check under, that, under that, that number of that account, you don't owe anybody anything. You hand it to the trust and you hand it to any day or supposed to cash it. They're supposed to give you that $500, and they're not supposed to ask anything from you. You don't have any obligation. You didn't create it out of thin air either, did you? No, what you were doing is that you were using that which you are entitled to that already existed because I already put it into a trust for you. That gives you a clear understanding of what's really going on. I have a question. Yes, it's Sonia. Hi, Sonia. Sorry. <laughs> I get excited about this stuff. I'm so passionate about it. No, that's okay. We'll just have to learn to be a little faster and follow you. It just works our brains more, that's all. That's okay. No. <laughs> if we can't follow you, we just listen over again. Um, Colin, does this all boil down to the birth certificate? Uh, directly, no. Indirectly, yes. The birth certificate is the evidence of the trust. And I've done discharge with a birth certificate through a totally different thing that no one would ever believe I could do. 
And ironically enough, that was the only time that I was able to discharge a uh, a cell phone as well as a uh, cable bill. And that was by using the birth certificate, but I used it in a different way. I merely laid out through a series of letters, laid out a foundation that the birth certificate was, in fact, the property of the state. And then I went to the proper party of the state and said, hey, according to your obligation here, well, I didn't do it the first time. I just sent them the bills. And this wasn't for me. It was somebody else in Florida. I've never done this for me. I've done it for other people if they were willing to be a guinea pig. And this guy said he used to write trust. That was That's what he does for a living. That's why I learned so much about trust, amongst other things. And that's why we could have a real conversation. He goes, you know what? You're the first person I've met that actually seemed to understand this crap, and you ever said the first thing that makes any damn sense out of everything. He said, yeah, I want to see if this if this works or not, because what you're saying makes perfect sense. So we did the series of things, series of letters to set it up, to establish the fact that the birth certificate was, in fact, the property, listen to the words, the property of the state. And as a result, we sent them all of the bills with that name. In his case, it was all uppercase names on there. Anything that was in the all uppercase, he sent it to them and said, this is yours. Take care of it. You have an obligation to take care of it. Of course, they sent it back, and then we wanted them to. So the second letter then quoted exactly what their obligation and duty was. Again, obligation and duty by law contract. They took the job. They got to fulfill that obligation. And they have an account from which to deduct it from. Okay? And what the part was, it says that his job, he is obligated to maintain all possessions of the state or all property of the state. I think it was possessions or property. I can't remember which one. And and guess what? They all got taken care of. Why? Because we had already established that the birth certificate was the property of the state and that on that birth certificate was the all uppercase name and all of these bills were in the all uppercase name. Therefore, they too were necessary for the maintenance of the property, which is the birth certificate or name that's on the birth certificate, that, that it was their obligation to maintain uh, or the maintenance thereof. And they were all just, they were all disappeared. They were all paid, just like that. But that has, if you sound, listen to that, that has nothing to do with, with all of the other theories about the birth certificate. Now, I will say that I did research on the bond aspect, that on the black market, I got it confirmed that on the black market, a birth certificate is worth anywhere from twenty to $50,000. So right there, yeah, it must have some value. Is it completely, is it a bank note? Well, it's clearly a security instrument, security note. It has the band around it that shows it's a security instrument. Um, I, I could go into, you know, what, what all the other studies that I that I discovered certain things, but I don't think any of it's particularly necessarily useful because you can't necessarily accept it. Although I've heard where people then get a copy of the birth certificate and, and got their um their um, um, hospital bills discharged as a result because they use that. And I've heard the people taking birth certificate in and saying, I am here presenting the defendant because of the all uppercase name it's on it. But I have not used it, and I can't verify it myself. I can only tell you that I don't believe it's the root, the root of all you. I don't believe it's the root of anything. I do believe it is evidence that there is, in fact, a trust that is created. The fact that you are an American, the fact that you're considered a citizen, which is why 
I don't like it when people want to reject it because why would you want to reject? You're basically what establishes that you're an entitlement. You're a shareholder. You're entitled to all of these as a citizen. Excuse me, Colin? Yes. I was just wondering, um, I I did hear from from, um, uh, Santos Binocchi that... um, or and other people that um, on your birth certificate on the top of it is actually a number and that number is actually the number of the trust that was created um, at the time that you were born and that is what is exchanged on the stock exchange and he was saying that um, you know the banks um, they buy each birth this registration of birth of the live birth they pay um, well he, he, he claims it's six million dollars for each one I don't know I don't know any about it I'm just saying you know have you heard of that yeah I've heard of all that and I couldn't confirm that if it is it's criminal activity as far as I'm concerned what I would say the number that's on the birth certificate it does is sir, it's a number now when I went looking for the service skin pooling agreement and studied that and learned a whole bunch and the way I did that was to come in as an investor and they have different handlers for investors and they have handlers for mortgagees Mortgagers, mortgagers, mortgagers. So for mortgagors or those people that are, 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 are doing this alleged loan stuff and they put their loans into these Remix, I came in at it in order to understand and learn it from the investor side. And because I had been an investor, I knew what to question and what to ask. Now, here's what's fascinating. When you go look at a Remix, you see that what they do is they put a whole bunch of these mortgages in there and then they create an account that's worth $200 billion, okay? And, and that's where they do their Ponzi scheme as well. Well, when I started asking about the birth certificate, yes, there is a number that's on it. But if you have ever had a business and you have, you know, even if you've ever been a waiter or waitress, when you fill out that little check for the person, each one of those has a number. It's just the way all paper is numbered, okay? And if you wanted to look at it, each one of those technically would be a security of some sort. Okay, because they indicate a bill, they indicate a debt, they indicate something that needs to be paid or transfer of funds. So there's a number. It's a tracking number. Think of it more of, of a tracking number. Okay, so what it does is it shows that that is a valid number, just like you have a Federal Reserve note. They all have a tracking number so that they can verify whether that number is a true number or a counterfeit. So you have a true number which shows on there, which would then relate back and say, yes, that is an actual number of one of the beneficiaries that's in this huge trust. The way I have discovered is that it is a huge trust. It's a monster trust. It is actually a trust of the United States, which is like a big giant pool. And it makes sense if you think about it. This is this is I always try to make sense out of things because usually if it doesn't make sense, then it doesn't make sense. So what makes sense is that you've got six point two billion dollars. I've got six point two billion dollars. You may only want a small house and a few things, and that's good. But collectively, I may want to. I'm an investor. I may need uh, 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 eight or twelve billion dollars, okay, in order to get my company up and running and do things. But guess what? My company is going to create jobs. It's going to create a product. It's going to do something that's beneficial to the public. Go to Hale versus Hinkle to confirm this. It, it. What does it say? All corporations are creatures of the state, and all creations of the state are presumed to be for the benefit of the public which is why I keep saying any of these corporations, these corporate courts, are not benefiting the public. You've got a reason to pull their corporate charter because it's presumed because the state cannot do anything that would harm anybody. So it has to be 
there for the benefit of the public. Think about that word, benefit for the public. That means without you having any obligation to it. The corporation was created to benefit the public. You don't have an obligation to McDonald's. Oh, well, you've got to come in and scrub our floors every so often because we exist. It's ridiculous. Well, you ate a hamburger here, so guess what? You've got to mop the floor. It's ridiculous, okay? You're a beneficiary of something, even though I wouldn't say McDonald's is necessarily a benefit, but that's another story. But you get the idea. It clearly states that it could only do those things because what does it go on to say? It says that there is a reserved power of the legislature to inquire into the books and the contracts of that corporation to see if it has over-exercised its powers or gone outside of its charter or in any way breached the laws of the state. And that's what the statutes and codes and all that administrative stuff is for, is to administer the codes and rules and regulations that administer for the regulation of corporations to make sure that they stay within their corporate charter and the laws of the state because they're there to benefit the people, is to make sure that the people are not harmed, but not only not harmed, but benefited. So the, the way I see the birth certificate is a, a evidence that there is, in fact, a large, if you will, pooling and servicing agreement that's out there that you have access to, that you have an entitlement to a portion of that funds, but instead of making it individual, and if anyone's been in a co-optive house, they know that not everybody eats the same amount of food and so on, but we all put our own part part in there. Same thing as when you have a condo, you pay a condo fee. Well, not everybody uses the same amount of water. Not everybody uses the same amount of electricity. I'm, you know, pretty thrifty. But that, but it's not an individual account. It's a, everybody pays the same amount, and it goes into one fund, and out of that fund, all of the bills are paid. And when you begin to think that way, it makes more sense, doesn't it? So it's, there's no individual account. It's just a tracking number to say, yep, this is a valid one. Yep, that's valid. Mm, they're entitled. And that's kind of how I see it. Um, does that help or not? Yes. Yes, Colin. Because I've, I've, I've studied a little bit about that, too, so that's why I was curious what you were thinking, and I presumed it was kind of down that line where they, they've created a trust for us and used us, I guess is my word, and, and that's why, you know, we have these capital letters in our names. So they're 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 benefiting or creating a trust from us and, and not really allowing us to have the benefit of it. Bingo. In short form, you nailed it right on the head. Not only that, it's not it, – it, first of all, Remember, we're trust fund babies. We're generations down the road, okay? I don't know of a single corporation that is alive today that hasn't expanded unless they go out of business. Okay, you look at um, my favorite man. Why can't I think of his name now? Uh, multimillionaire, created the, the goose, the giant goose, gray goose. Um, Hugh, uh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was, was, get, was granted from his father one of the, a, a tool and die company, which was doing quite well. And when he failed and flopped and screwed up all of his other business things, he always had that in trust because it was entrusted to him. And he always had that from his father. So it's the same thing. So number one, you're correct. But remember, we're generations away. We have so much entitlement to so much resources that have been garnered over all these years, and we have an entitlement to that. And then add to that what you're saying is that our value, which was put in there, so we're not only entitled to all that, but we're going to add to it. 
So we're entitled to not only what our great, 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 and great, great, and great, 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 you know, whatever, all of them have donated in the past all into this big pool, as well as what we're going to donate throughout our lifetime as well. I've had, what, I've had probably uh, 38 to 40 properties. I've done probably, you know, 18 to 20 mortgages, which I paid, including the interest. All of that goes into this big, giant pool. Everything that goes on, that's why it's called currency. It's constantly flowing. The crime that's being committed here is the lie. They're lying to us and making us believe that we're borrowers. They're lying to us and making us believe that we're slaves. They're lying and making us believe that the, the state created us instead of the other way around, that we're here to serve the state or the bankers. That's the lie. The lie is that they're siphoning off the value because they're creating interest. Interest is unlawful. How can you charge interest on something you don't, you don't own, you don't loan in the first place? And interest is usury, which you can't do anyway. So we can get into that all night long. So all of this bullshit is bullshit. It's lying. Yeah. It's manipulation. Exactly. That's exactly what I've heard, you know, I've heard of like student loans in America. You know, they take out a like a, a ten thousand dollar loan or something. They've paid like fifteen odd thousand back, and they still owe another twenty odd thousand. You know, that, that's just that is fraudulent, and that's not fair on a on a young woman or young man or student that that you know um, did borrow the money. I agree, you have to pay it back. You know, and maybe for paperwork and everything like that, you may have to pay a little bit extra, but anything on top of that, I, I really believe it's fraudulent. Well, of course it is. And in fact, when you discover that when you get the student loan, it's not a loan. Just like the credit card, you're not a loan. They're not, not, here, here's the kicker that, you, that people it's, need it's to understand. Not a loan? Sorry, it's not a loan? What is it then? It is, okay, what I just said. You oh. are entitled, that, that, that person, that man or woman, is entitled to access some of that trust, all of that trust fund money, and I can't think of a better thing that a trust fund would be for than the education, except we know that, the, uh, unfortunately, that the education system sucks today, but presuming that it used to be good, that you would want your child to be educated. So there's no better reason for you to have the funds to get your education. In fact, uh, that's one of the reasons I always just tell people to get a Pell Grant, okay? But what everything, a Pell Grant comes out of a different fund. It comes out of a, a, a different government fund. But what they're doing is they're taking the instrument, which is you signing as the authorized signer to have that money used and, and distributed the way you want, again, as I said before, but here's what's happening. They're not only doing that criminal act of making you, bar, making you believe they barred it, but they have 10 and 15 different schemes based on that, derivatives, they, they monetize the note, they use it, they deposit, they do all sorts of stuff which they're not authorized to do. Think of it this way. You granted a trust, you created an estate, whatever it is that you died, and your executor is a criminal. And that criminal, it was designed, your, your, your estate, because you had such a large one, was made to continue endlessly for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
gee, uh, you think it's possible? And so what the criminal does is he still needs your authorized signature, even if you're the great-great-great-grandchild. And this trustee or this executor sits there and says, you know what, i got this little baby, and I bet you that I could sit there and get this baby to grow up to believe it's a debtor, an obligor, and still trick him into, into believing he's a borrower, and that way I get his signature, and I can get the money out of the trust, and that idiot will keep paying it back. And then I can sit there and sell that to a bank, my buddy banker over there, and he'll sit there and charge interest on it, make him believe, oh, boy, will he great. can you see it? That's exactly what went on. Hey, can I tell you something? Yeah. When I was in court, a judge actually said if someone refused to sign something, he could take over and sign into the place. Can you say that again? I really didn't. You were really kind of broke up and unclear. Can you try again? It sounds interesting. I was in court, in a circuit court, and the court, the judge said, actually said, if someone refused to sign, he could do it for the, who, the one who refused to sign. Oh, okay. So. And and all of the lawyers around me freaked out. All the lawyers did what? Freaked out? Yes, they did. Okay. What it comes down to then is that you can sit there and say, again, it goes back to asking a question. Uh, please show me the form that where I either granted you the authority to make an entry on my behalf. I agree with that. Where you were made the, uh, what's it called? Caretaker, what do you call it? Well, the caretaker, what do you call it? The legal guardian. Show me where you were made my legal guardian. Yes, I agree with that. That's that's absolutely right. But most and people, I will share most with you, people would I will not. Share with you, I will share with you this. When I was in court recently, Luella, one thing that she did that I've never seen anyone do because she put a bunch of stuff together on the spot, which I had done differently, and it, and I don't know if it had been successful or not, but in this case, the judge kept asking her, "Are you? Do you plead guilty or not guilty?" She said, "I don't plead to anyone but my Creator." This is not a church. No, 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 no. Well, I don't plead to anyone but the but the uh, the God of my understanding, and that shut her up. So I thought, so make a note of that. I don't plead to anyone but the God of my understanding. I think there's something really powerful with that. Number two, things I agree said, with that too. That that because they can't impugn that at all. Exactly, and number two, she said. Um, to my knowledge, you are not my, what was it again? I just said it. Legal guardian. guardian. You are not my legal guardian, and I do not, listen, listen to the next part, it's very powerful. I do not authorize you to make that entry, and here's the part that, she got all that, and then the last part, which I said is, you, any entry you make, you take full liability thereof. And that's the one that stopped her. Because I've always done that to the judges, but I didn't do it that way. I did it the opposite. I waited until they made the entry, and I said, oh, that's great. I said, I don't authorize you to do that, but you take full liability for that entry. And that stops them, but they don't change it. In this case, the judge started going, well, I'm going to make an entry for not, uh, uh, okay, innocent. Because that's what she kept saying. I am telling you that I am innocent, and that's the entry that shall be made. I said, I don't authorize you to make any, any that entry for me. And if you do, you take full liability. Why is that important? Because when you tell them that you take full liability, at that moment, if they make that entry, you can walk out of the courtroom. 
it's done. They just became the surety. They're fully liable for everything under that name, yes. under that ministry. Because yes. not guilty means I'm guilty, but I'm refusing to pay. Well, so what happened? What happened? What happened? The thing that I, well, I, I'm not even sure why the judge said this. I think they had somebody that was coming up from the jail that didn't want to sign. And it was, and they were all laughing about it, which was really funny. It was weird. It was funny, weird, not funny, haha. You know what I mean? Well, I think that was a threat to try and get you to sign because what you need to do, if you say, well, by all means sign, um, it will be, first of all, be a forgery. And no, no, this you... wasn't even me. This was, I was sitting there listening to other cases. Oh, 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 oh. See, because okay. I, I try to pay attention when I'm there. Right. Whatever's yeah. going on, because it's always yeah. interesting, for sure. Well, it was clearly a threat and intimidation, and obviously because the person didn't know how to handle it, they probably signed, right? I don't know. No, it was just like a non sequitur. There wasn't anybody who was refusing to sign. I don't oh, know they just, why. They, just it, they were it? just chatting. They were just chatting amongst themselves. Wow. That and everybody good. that, because I, I don't ever sit in the in the area where the, you know, the people sit. I sit with the lawyers because that's always much more interesting. And all <laughs> of them around me, you know, the lawyers and the, and the, um, uh, what, the probation officers and all that stuff, because they always are, you know, they're more interesting. Anyway, um, they were all like, in, well, they were like, it, 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 Rock them when the judge said that, and I said, "What did he say?" And they're like, "We don't know. We're not sure what he said." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, well, that that sounds an awful lot like that. Every time I hear the judge saying, "If you don't make the entry, I'll make the entry for you," and the person stands there and looks stupid. Yeah. Here's the reason why: because the moment the judge says, "I will make the entry for you if you do not object, if you don't disagree, then you consent." Uh, yes, okay, that's duly noted, and I will remember that for my own use. Well, to me, that's like saying, well, I'm going to rape you. Or actually won't say rape, because that would be the un- unproper term. I'm going to have sex with you. And the person doesn't say, no, you're not. I guess it's consensual sex, isn't it? Yep. Now, I think that goes to what people are talking about, the capacity. And this is where I think that Roddy is correct, is that sometimes we need to assert, in certain circumstances, we need to assert that we don't give permission, that we retain all rights, that we manage our own businesses, that we don't grant any authority um, to them whatsoever. And by simply making that statement that I don't grant any authority to you indicates that I have the power to grant and not to grant. So I don't need to go, well, I hereby have the power, and therefore I have the power of the Creator and God and all this other stuff, and I have the power, and I have the power, and I have the power. You don't need to go on to that. All you simply say is, I don't grant you that power. And once nobody can rebut that, it now establishes two things. It establishes the prima facie that you have the power to not grant them the power, which means you had the power to not grant them the power without actually saying it. Mm-hmm. I, I do have something. There's a trick in circuit court 
at least in Virginia, if it's a misdemeanor, yeah. they don't have to put it on the record. What's that? They don't have to put it on the record. It's not unless you bring your own thing. Oh, I know. We just went to that in Virginia where they, it's not a court of record. Unbelievable. I was like, what? Even though, even though they turned the speeding, this is funny as hell. You go to district court, it's not a crime, okay? But the moment you appeal to the circuit court, it becomes a crime. Right, it's, but if it's, not a mis, if, it's, if it's not a felony, they don't have to have a record. You have to bring your own recorder. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, well, but fortunately, fortunately, it's a one of those high-tech courtrooms now, at least here, so you can get a CD and make it a record. Well, that that's what that's one of the things that we're going to do uh, that I intend to bring out when I get when I get time to do that. I got to finish this foreclosure stuff first. All but you have to do is go to the IT department of whatever courthouse it is and get them to get the CD of wh- whatever your case is and send it over to their people that do their transcripts, and then you have well, a real record. Well, here's the problem. According to the judge and according to the um, prosecutor. They, even though the equipment was there, the microphones are right there, and I know it wouldn't take more than a couple, you know, uh, maybe a megabyte or two to, to do it. And and you know, in Maryland they sell you the CD, but here they said that they're not that they're not recording it, and we couldn't believe it. it was like, wait, there's a trial by jury? It's a lie. And it's a lie. Go to IT. It's there. Go where? The IT department. It is there. You go find the IT department in whatever IT courthouse it is. IT department. Yes. It's there. Oh, you sweetheart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, too. Where's the IT department? What what county? Um, This is in Fairfax. Third floor. Third floor. Huh? Just call them and ask for the IT department. They'll put you right straight through to it. Oh, you are so sweet. Who am I speaking to? I did it myself already. Everything is recorded. Everything. I think it's all recorded in the entire building, honestly. Who am I speaking to? Lady Fairfax. Huh? Lady Fairfax. Oh, that's you. Hi. Yes, oh, my God. Oh, hello, hello, hello. I haven't talked to you in so long. I know, I know. Oh my anyway, God. yeah. I need, to, I need to shut up. I'm not worthy. This woman is is the she's the bomb. She is awesome. I learned so much from you so long ago that got me actually encouraged me and got me going years ago. Oh my God, how are you? Ah. I'm alright. Anyway, sweetheart. yeah, Fairfax County um, yeah. courthouse. Yeah. I can, just just call in, ask them for the IT department. I'll do that. I'm going to do that. Oh, you God. can pay. It costs $35 to get a CD, but they will give it to you. They have to send it to the official transcriptor. And then you've got to pay for that, which is like going to be like $200. If it's not a felony. If it's if it's a, a misdemeanor, you got to pay. If it's a felony, they pay. Oh, so you can buy the CD, but they won't send it to you. They have to send it to a, an official transcriber? Yes. Unless you provide a transcriber of your own. Yeah, well, that's if you're at the time, yeah. Okay. 
If it's a misdemeanor. Okay. Anything under a felony, they don't, especially in circuit court, apparently. I had no idea about this until I found out. But I know that it's, everything's wired there. Yeah, I was wondering. They got all the microphones and everything on, like, and they're oh, not yeah. We were actually allowed to record because the uh, the prostituter, she um, she stuck her recorder up. He said, well, since it's not being recorded, I'm going to go ahead and record it on my recorder. And then uh, we said, well, then we have a right to record it too. So we stuck our phones up there and recorded most of it. <laughs> but they've got that law or they've got that ruling that says you're not allowed to do that. Well, yeah. what the judge said was because we had the right to have it recorded, and if the prostitutor could record it, we could. We had the right to make our recording. She said, "But if you you get it transcribed, you have to have it. If you want to use it, it has to be transcribed by a legal or lawful transcriber." Exactly, and and so the only way that you can get anything because it is it is recorded. It doesn't matter if you did it yourself. That's for your own thing. Everything is recorded in that building. Everything. Even in the bathrooms, I bet the tinkling is, re- is recorded. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's not Stop true. Stop laughing. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is find the IT department for the for the courtroom you were in and get them to send it over and pay for them to give you to give you a official transcript. Will do. That's wonderful. Because I, I use that as, as leverage and got things moving. Yeah, because we got a lot of good stuff on there that can be used for a 42-1983. It's unbelievable. Well, yeah, because I was listening to Carl Lentz was saying that up in, up in his Augusta County, the, the chief judge was controlling the transcript. You can't control a recording that goes to another party, right? Okay. So that, in, at least in Fairfax County, that's the way it is. It goes to a private part or uh, an uh, approved party that does transcript. It's with their um, legal, I don't know, I guess they're recorders. I don't know what they do exactly. They're a, a law office, but that's what they do. I forgot the name right now. They're nice people. That's extremely helpful. I know how to I know how to use use it from there pretty much. Okay. Well just just call the courthouse, you know, send to the IT department for whatever whatever courtroom it is. I got it. And then talk to and talk to them. I got they're it. Nice people. They're not they're just geeks. They're just they're just computer geeks. They don't care. Yeah. All they do is say, give me an idea of what to look for and what time period, and I'll look at it, and I'll record it, and then I'll send it over there. Oh, that'd be sweet. That's what they do, and they're really nice. Excellent. Hey, by the way, send me a quick email to get back in touch at Truthmonger6, will you? Okay, no. Sure, sure. I just want to let you know because I just figured that out recently. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they, they're, all of the legal people are just as much trapped by the recording devices as we are, you know? I I have a question about recording. Mm-hmm. Um, should we rely on the, uh, like, the court 
that we go into that they're recording? No. Or, yeah, it should be. Is that an official recording, like something that holds through over time and everything? Well, if if it's one of these if it's one of these um, courthouses that are the IT or the high tech, you can get recordings that are not, you know, filtered, oh. and no one has control of it. Oh, and what what is that recording for? Like, is it something that I can use again? Like, if it's recorded there, can I can I use it again or? Yeah, I mean, it's just they record everything. They have video and they have audio. Is, is the court that I go into a private court, kind of? Maybe Colin can answer that. Is it a private court or a a public court? It depends. <laughs> Colin, I don't know. Explain that. Well, you want my? I want to hear your opinion first, and then, and then. Uh, it's a private court, but it's a private court posing as a public court. Yeah, so I, we shouldn't get anything recorded there, right? Because well, if you look, if you look it up under Dun and Bradstreet, you'll be able to find that it is a corporation. Now, here's the interesting thing about it: that even though it's a corporation, it's still considered to be an instrumentality of the state because the state is using it or contracting with it to perform certain functions. Now, that's why you can be unlawfully searched and seizure at the at the opening of it because it's the order of the head judge. Because I always challenge it. And I always get the sheriff to come over there, and the sheriff always sits there and goes, well, the head judge is giving that order. I said, well, what's that got to do with the law? He says, nothing. So they know quite well that this is a private corporation, but it's considered to be an instrumentality of the state because the state is using it, much like the bar, okay? So, um, you know, it gets all convoluted, but the, but the bottom line is that um, when, you, when you get a hold of the trans, when you, get, when you get a hold of the recording, the reason you're getting a hold of the recording is so that you make a transcript of the recording. Remember, the, 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 the courts can only see that which is in writing. If you don't have it in writing, it's no good. So your testimony, everything that goes in court, is, is worthless until you get the transcript because you now can file it onto the record and say, hey, here's the transcript. Now the other side can say, oh, no, it's not. And of course, you can go back and forth, and they'd have to show that it's not. It is, it is, it's not. And of course, it usually is helpful. You say, hey, I got this from... For instance, you would have to, like, if you got something off the Internet, if, it, if you got it where it says .gov, then it not necessarily is reliable, but it's a lot more reliable than where it says .wikipedia. So even though it's a corporation that's a corporate court, they don't want you to know that. They don't want that exposed. So you, you, you use uh, techniques to basically say, hey, I got this from the IT department of this and you always write down exactly as it's written. You know, this would be the Circuit Court of Fairfax or Fairfax Circuit Court, however exactly it's written. And then you say, and it was transcribed by so-and-so and such-and-such. So what you're doing is you're showing that your transcription is official and accurate. And usually the other side, if you do that, the other side won't argue. So now you can submit it as evidence. Can I ask a question real quick? Uh, what makes it uh, actual and official? Like you just said, my transcripts are... Are actual and official. Like what makes it? What here's it, at least where I am. What makes it official is that the IT department transfers the CD over to the transcriber, which is something but, rude. I can't remember the company. Anyway, this is their thing. It's their way of doing it, and they and you pay for it. You buy it. It's yours. 
And now you use that. Now you use that as an exhibit, as evidence to substantiate your claim. That's what it's for. On you know, on such and such, you could see that he said da da da. Like if you go read this Mears case, I've been reading. It's really fascinating because they test. They has the testimony of somebody who was a robo signer, and he asks them. And actually, it was done in deposition, which is very similar deposition. They had a recorder there. And he presented the recording, well, it's not the recording, but the transcription of the recording of the testimony that was taken during the deposition in which the uh, robo-signer said, that, no, I don't know, I don't get paid by Mears, I don't know anybody at Mears, I have no relationship with Mears, uh, but I'm signing as a vice president of Mears or as an authorized signature of Mears. Well, clearly, once you go through that whole dialogue, you can see, wait a minute, how on earth could this person possibly sign an affidavit saying that they have knowledge and understanding of something when they just said that they don't? How can they represent and sign on behalf of Mears when they're not an employee of Mears, they don't get trained by Mears, and they're not educated by Mears, and they don't, and they don't have any relationship in fact with Mears? Yeah, what, what I'm asking, though, is like how much, um, let's say, authority does does your record have when you ask the court that is uh, challenging you to authorize it. You, you know what I mean? It, it's a private court. When, when it's it's like any this is something other piece that of the court has no control over. This is something that is external. Okay. Right. When, you, when you put it onto the record as a piece Hello? But what happened to him? Again. We're back. We're back. Okay. You back, Colin? Oh, no. Place one did it again. Oh, man. I got Sonia muted me again. Who? No, you're good. Sonia, love you. Colin, click off. Sorry. Yeah. I muted myself. I didn't mute anybody. I muted me by mistake. I'm sorry. It comes down to when you put it in as evidence, the other side can challenge it. If they don't challenge it, then it stands, just like anything else. Objection hearsay, like they love to do that. And but I can't wait to challenge it because if you say when it goes hearsay, you say, no, I am testifying to what I heard. I'm not testifying to what they said. And I wish I'd been further uh, faster on that, but but remember that if you can, you, if you ever called you to testify, take that transcription to another court case if you wanted, because it's it's actually it, it's not uh, let's say isolated to that one court case. You could actually move it to another court case if you wanted, right? Absolutely, evidence is evidence. To another case, you can take it anywhere to any court you want. And you wouldn't have to make a new transcription into a new private court at all. No, no. You just you make you make up uh, your amazing. copies. Maybe you I get an authorized copy that's amazing. from the transcriber, and then you file it as piece of evidence. Now the other side may challenge it, but if you've done it correctly, they're not going to challenge it. End of story. I'm just talking about the 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 uh, let's say character of the the tra- transcription or record that uh, you guys are talking about making. I think it should be more public versus private. Like, why would I go into a private court and make a private transcription where nobody else could hear it, the the people of the world could not hear it, it would just be a private record. 
that could only be used in that situation, in those four walls, and that's it, where I think maybe a private or a public record would be much better. That's all I'm saying. You don't understand the rules of evidence, do you? Yeah, I probably don't. I'm sorry. I'm just asking questions. Well, if it's sealed and it's accepted in one court, it has to be accepted in all the courts. Mm, that sounds good, but says who? Okay, I'll find it for you. It's it's in the Constitution. Uh, does anyone know offhand which article it is? It's it's Article that the records and so on of of uh, of one shall be accepted in all states. So the same thing goes. And that Congress actually that's that's kind of where I'm building a case on. In fact, is that the fact that they are corrupting but the public records, namely the land records in these in these foreclosures, private records, Colin. I understand that. I think it's uh, six. Uh, six or seven, one of them. Anyway, it doesn't do with private records. That has to do with public records. Shall be honored from state to state. But again, those records that are created in the court can be made public by you because it's an on, it is something that was the goings-on in that court, and there was an order to court. That becomes public. The recording itself can be made public by you as well. Technically speaking and lawfully speaking, it's the goings-on in a court. Because, as I said, even though it's private, it's an instrumentality of, the, of that particular state. So even though it's what you call private and I call private, okay, it's still, it's still under the authority of the state. So therefore, it is subject to that state. And it's being utilized as an instrumentality of the state. But that see, the problem, the problem is this. transcriber is subject to that state also, which, which is not public, private. What was that? That means that the transcriber is also subject to that state. Well, that's uh, why it has to be a qualified one transcriber. Yeah, then the transcriber is also subject to the state, which means that the state rules, you know, the state wins. However, they want to use your transcription is how they use it, which is what they always do, you know. Hey, Colin. You get a yeah, no, you're the Carl one who's going to be the one using the transcription. Go ahead, yeah. I, okay. Carl was talking about this on his call. Uh, when he was in this, he didn't call it private court, but he was looking at the the, the record, the, uh, what do you call them, transcripts? And the things he said, it was very simple, short sentences. They were changing his words to dot, dot, dot. And uh, when he said, okay, did you record it on the computer? And they said, yeah. Well, he said, oh, it should be easy for you to email me the MP3, right? Uh, yeah, if the judge approves it, the judge said, absolutely not. Yeah. Your, your words out of your mouth in that private court do not become your property after they leave your mouth and they put it on paper, like, like Roddy just said. They can put uh, so-and-so says something, something, dot, 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 and they'll leave it out. Yeah, because if you, you can't get it to win on appeals, you know, if they screw your uh, transcription up. Yeah, but that's where you have to correct the record, and then you make an issue out of correcting the record. You have to watch them at every turn. It's like I've seen them file stuff into the record that wasn't there, and I've seen them take stuff out of the record that wasn't there. That's why you have to make your own record. That's why you bring your own. If you don't trust the court, that's if you right. don't trust if you don't trust the court, you're off. And, and whatever, whatever judge is doing that is a despot. 
I think whatever judge is doing that is within its full, let's say, scope to do that. Yeah, it's a big move. We underestimate the court that we're actually walking into is actually a private court. Like, if you walk into my house and you say something, I can change the record inside my house. For damn yes, but you're not I, an agent of the state. I know if but, I was screwing Colin or somebody, I wouldn't want anybody to know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Especially if a guy like Colin walked into my court, I'm definitely going to change the record. I'm definitely not going to put what that guy said on the goddamn record because he yeah, he's right. talking. He's talking too much legalese. <laughs> we can't well, have that. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so that's why that that that's a private record. So when when they say is it recorded? Is this a court of record? All this bullshit. Yeah, they say it's recorded. It is a court of record, a private record, in which we can change, alter, manipulate, and do all this crap to. Until you create a public record out of it. Okay. Okay. How, how do you do that? The woman just said it right there. Public record. Where do we do that? You have to get an official transcript without the dot, dot, dot that Carl was talking about because there are rules about your place the, public, the huh? public record. If the public record is incorrect, they have to have an accurate public record. I think there's an easier place to get a public record. Hello. Where, Aaron? Please share. Uh, it's called the county public record. County, not court. County public record. You make your record first, transcription first. You put it on paper. It's recorded and stamped by the county, not the court, not the private court. Stamped by the county, which is backed up by the state. All right. So you get your IT, your IT record from the court over to the transcriber, get your copy, and then enter it as, enter it or have it stamped into public records. And then are you talking like into a, the case. Are you talking like a pre-discovery? This is what you're going to use in court? And if the court's recorder varies from what is no, recorded? No, no. Everything I'm in a, the I'm court, talking, in the court, at least preview. where I am, are recorded yeah, that, like with IT. I was asking the, the previous guy, when you do that, is it like a pre-discovery? You're basically putting on display what you're going to enter into the court, so if the court varies, it's already men, recorded. Men and women always act first. We don't wait for any court to order us what to do. You know, we don't wait. We always act first, and, and our first place to go is the county recorder. The, the county is our place to go for whatever we want to do. The, well, the court get it on display. that operates under the county, the court that operates under the county, which is called the county court, is second-hand to the county clerk. Well, how do you get it on display if you're not in court already, if there's no transcriber, that's what I'm saying. Right, you put it into the record, but you, what if the county listen, clerk doesn't want to do it? I'll tell you. The, a recording is that is exactly what it sounds like. I go up, I speak, somebody records it. Somebody. I want the state to record that because they have the state stamp that what I said is true and it's verified and that's it. I don't want some um, statutory judge to say, oh, you transcribed that. Okay, that's great. We're going to take a piece of paper and use it for our benefit. You go to the county recorder. 
that's who records your testimony, your statement. You get it stamped two or three times by the county, the state, whoever else I, you want. Then you I, enter that in to the judge that's asking for your testimony. So it's because like a preemptive strike question, kind of deal? He cannot question the county or the state because that's who pays him. I think you're confusing what I'm saying, though, because... I, I probably least, <laughs> Sorry. At, at least the... Where I am, we have fully, fully, like, recorded audio and visual courts. I mean, even the hallway, pretty much. Those are private courts, though. They're statutory courts. Yeah, that may be. That may be. But they're paid for with public funds. And I can pay to have my... No, the garbage. Exactly. Because those are their recordings. They can manipulate it. They can change it. They don't care what you say or what you pay for. They'll give you whatever the hell they want. Hey, Lady Fairfax. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a presumption that if you don't go a similar route, like the caller mentioned, is you you agree to be a citizen administrator, you know, in their private... Well, yeah, in, in this case, I am doing that. But what I'm saying is they're... Because of their high high tech stuff, it puts them just in the same in the same exposure as it does everybody else. So you're saying the IT department does all you know they do all that good stuff yeah. up there and where you're at. Okay. And, okay. and they don't care. You tell them where you need the recording, and nobody else has any control. So it's just them. So you pay thirty five bucks and you get it. Based on what you said, they probably got all sorts of good incriminate stuff on the record. Oh yeah, but <laughs> not real record. It's not. It's not a. a what do they call? Uh, An official record. Right, right. Because especially in my case, because I was, I didn't realize that a misdemeanor is not recorded by the court recorder. This is probably why a judge can issue a gag order. Because if you go in as one of their subjects or citizens, they can tell you to shut the hell up. You know. Don't don't well, tell anybody. Well, they tell you to shut the hell up. I'll be damned if I ever get shut up by anybody. Yeah, I look at it like a mom and dad scolding their children. You know, you're you're yeah, in my well, jurisdiction. I'm not, I'm not any of those know. people's child, and I'll be damned. You, you, you say you're a citizen of the family? All right, well, here's the rules. Be quiet, behave, and don't I tell anybody. I never said I was anything. You know? <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's like a mom and dad, you know, court. It is, like it a, is. Yeah. You're right. And, you know, the thing that has has made me free, is I'm not scared of these people anymore. I'm really not. They're just people. Hey, yeah. hey Colin? Nah. I'm, I'm here. And they're, yeah, they're not people. They're persons anyway. And they're I got a question for you Just like Carl says, they're all man and woman. I got a question about foreclosures, uh, Colin. Yeah, but hold on a minute. Hold on a second. I want that guy that was talking a minute ago, I want to explore what he was saying. I think he's saying something that we're not recognizing here, and that is it sounds like he's saying that you go and get it recorded first, and then you enter that into the court so that they don't that. have any choice. I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that, too, but uh, the process has to be explained. If you check my last... Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to ask. Could, could that gentleman please ex- go and we'll give him a little time. Let him explain the process from A to Z. I don't want this half-assed, you know, blah, blah. I want to hear, okay, do you go here? You require, you fill out a document, you sign this, you pay for 
the counter recorder. I want the A to Z that, that you were presenting to us because I want to know that as an option. I may not use it. I may use it. But if you have that information, would you please give it to the rest of us? Thank check, you. Check my, last e- check my last email to you. You'll get, you'll get the gist of it, what he's saying. I think. Oh, you have you have all that down as to how to go to the county and get the county to record you? No, it was an idea. I sent it to you. My last sent message to you. I, I want to yeah, hear him. He obviously has some knowledge on this, so I want him to share his knowledge with us from A to Z. Where do you go? How do you get the recorder? How much does it cost? Does it cost anything? What do you use to do it? And then you take that. When you go into court, you don't say anything. You just hand them your, your transcription of what you said. I'm going to mute that, but don't forget my foreclosure no. question. I'm going to mute. No, it's not as simple as you say. You have to get the, whatever they recorded, you have to get a certified uh, recording from them and then go to Secretary of the State, identificator, and then come back and record that with the affidavit of yours. Why does the record, their record is not true and fraudulent or whatever. You have to record that one and this day, after you record it, you get a certification, and you file that certification in your court case. But the affidavit that you have to write about that recording, that is very, very important, how to write that affidavit. Okay, I think you're talking about another thing. I was talking about the other gentleman that was there a minute ago who was saying that you get the county to record it. Um, Aaron, Aaron, Colin, Colin, that that was Aaron that was speaking, and I'd like to hear more on what Aaron had to say, too, if Aaron doesn't mind. Yeah, if you're still there, come on, let's hear it. Uh, I'm here. Uh, I I, I did show up late, Sonia, I'm sorry, so if you preface me, like on case or something, maybe, uh, Colin, you could say a traffic case or foreclosure case, or, or foreclosure wouldn't work, but just give me a, a case where I could maybe show you what I think might work, you know. Just, okay, just make well, like the, speed, the speeding ticket where she got went to district court and we ended up appealing it and we found out that the, the judge allegedly okay. entered into the record that she pled guilty when in actual fact she had not pled guilty, but that was not recorded. So we go to circuit court, and there's a trial which lasted about five hours. And now what I what it sounded like you were saying is that before you even get to that court, that you go to the county and get a county recorder somehow, and you get them to record your testimony, and then you get into that court, you just hand them a transcript of what your testimony is. My question is two questions there. How do you do that, number one? Number two is how do you then get the transcription from the county uh, of what the cop says and anybody else that they call as a witness? How do you get a a county to record and transcribe it? I got you. Uh, Well, let let me take us back about 100 years, first of all. Uh, Back in the old days when, when when people had their own land. Remember, everybody had their own farms and people were kind of spread out and nobody knew who was going on, but they all went to the town center. Remember, there was always a town there with a big church and a court building and a bank, and the the bank was part of the court. And that was called the courtyard, exactly, yes. Yeah, and and if anybody needed to know who was on Mr. Johnson's land over there or whose land that was over there, you know, back behind those two trees, they'd go look up the record. 
right? They go look up the record there at the bank that was kept safe. Like, oh, long, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Johnson recorded that 20 years ago. That's his land. From this point to this point to that point to that point, that's called his claim. Okay, so Mr. Johnson, so that no nobody else could come there and claim his claim, right? Because he already recorded that. Well, what did he do to record that? He walked into a building called what maybe they call a courthouse, and he said, "Hey, ma'am, behind the desk, you're a trusted lady over there, and you got a big old stamp called the county stamp." And that county stamp is what all the other acreages in this land trust because they all did the same thing. So we all trust this stamp. And if you violate that stamp, that's called treason. Anyway, so she holds the stamp. Now, what I'm saying is if a, like if somebody charges you for something, like maybe uh, Amy Lou or Lou Ellen, if they, if they stop you and charge you for speeding, you go to the county recorder. The county recorder, you submit a recording. You Maybe an affidavit form. It could be a declaration form. It could be any form you want. It's just your voice on paper. That's what a recording is, right? And then they, they file it. They stamp it, and they that's for safekeeping, and that is the public record. That is for all to know. Anybody that shows up from all those acreages all around, if they want to know what you said, they can check it. So then you take that paper, which is yours, actually. You take it, and you ask the county recorder to give it to the county clerk, okay, the court clerk. And then they will take care of whatever issue you have. You send that piece of paper. Because remember, man cannot walk into a statutory court. If you appear in that court, you're appearing on paper only. So you ask the lady to pass that piece of paper over to the court and say, I'm not a driver. That's it. That is the recording for all to know in the whole public all around that court. Not for that court. Screw that court. It's for everyone to know around that court. Now the judge has to make a decision. Is this person administrable under this law based upon the record, the true record? And the judge is going to say, get this case out of my court. There's no way we can charge this person, this man, this woman. Do you kind of follow where I'm getting going there? Oh, I, I was hoping that's where you were going with it. I, I thought it was brilliant, and I love what you're saying. It makes perfect sense, and I want to explore that a little bit more. Um, now, here's the question. Where do you go to record this? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. I wanted to record a notice of uh, fraudulent filing on the land records in a foreclosure case, um, and... Years before, three years before, I was asking questions as to why these fraudulent documents were being filed. And mm-hmm. I was told, all we do is we collect $35 and anybody can file anything, record anything. Now I go back a couple years later, and the reason was because I did a filing of acceptance of the warranty deed, I realized that I had gotten a warranty deed, which was recorded when I got the property, 
but I never did the acceptance. And under contract law, you have to have an offer and accept uh, offer and acceptance. And so I never did the acceptance. So I said, what the hell? It made sense to me. So I went ahead and wrote up a little thing of acceptance of the warranty deed, and I filed that into the land records. Now they won't let us file anything. Even though we've done a rescission, they won't even let us do a filing of the rescission. So we are now effectively being blocked from filing anything. So my question now is a twofold question. One, generally speaking, where are we supposed to? Am I correct that we're talking about the land records because that's pretty much all the same in Maryland anyway? And number two, what would you suggest that we do when they refuse to allow us to to record something? Hey, the the land records for sure are the uh, what state are you in? Well, right now I'm talking about Maryland in this particular okay, case. Okay, uh, okay, the land records always kept in the uh, let's say nearest county of wherever the the property is located, right? And here's here's the problem is all states and all counties after 1933 went corporate and they called it zoning. We're going to start zoning all this fucking excuse me, all this land that we think we own until the folks stand up and say no, they own it. And and not one of us has stood up and said that we own the land. We've we've all signed on to being a resident and uh you know, uh, or we live in a residential area and we have a residential address and all this stuff. And what what that does is is put us on the tax roll for the county assessor in, in that certain county. So when we try to fight the the let's say foreclosures or or status of our property after that, it all boils right back down to how that property was classified at the very first moment, which was when whoever bought it before you and probably transferred title to you. You you accepted title, calling it a commercial residence address. And so when when we try to get out, not get out of certain things, when we try to take back our property, they they say no, <laughs> sorry, you you accepted that it's already in this status. You know you accepted it's already this way. So now you can't get back out of it doing the process that most people do, which is, uh, you know, fight the system. You, you never want to fight the system. You just go back to that very first thing and say, uh, basically, rescind title. Give the title back to the state because no a man doesn't need a title from any state. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't need my property to be titled. If I, if anything, I'll give it a title. I'll go down to the recorder and I'll title it as Collins Property. That's it. And I'll record it just like they record all the other addresses. Except mine won't have numbers. It'll just say Collins Property. You've seen all those uh, properties drive by that say like uh, Bob's Estate or, or Bob's, you know, Bob's Acreage or, you know, all those archways they put over like certain... Um, interests to you know land that's how it used to be in the old days and that was recorded and anybody walked on that land was going to be uh dealt with by the county because bob had that county uh, had his property read or uh, recorded at the county you, you kind of see what i'm getting at you have to go way back to how you got that property. Going back to the original patent type of thing. 
No, how was it transferred to you? How how did you how did your name get on this uh let's say situation? Was it transferred? Because if it was transferred, that means title was transferred. And title is granted by the state. And anybody that grants anything, Colin, you know, control. You have to go back. You're making, you're making a lot of good detailed points there, and, and I uh, I would have to go back into that again. And I just, just keep going here. Just explore this. Yeah. Uh, if if. If something is granted, Colin, you know that whoever grants it controls it. You know, uh, and what what no, was granted? Okay, was okay, that okay. It just so happens that I've been reading the um, case law on that. Ironically enough, and the case law that I was reading is Dartmouth College, which goes back to nineteen eight. I mean, eighteen nineteen. And ironically enough, in there it addresses just that issue. In fact, it goes back to uh, Merry Old England. And that's what they used uh, to confirm it, which was saying that even if the king grants something, that grant is absolute, and even the king cannot rescind it or take take it back. So, uh, you know, now that you mention that, I'm going to have to. I would have agreed with you until two days ago when I just read this case again. But let me but let me real quick read in. One let me, granted, real quick, even if it's granted by the state, even if it's granted by the state, a grant is Let me jump in real quick because your point is so perfect. Your point is so perfect. Back in merry old England, when the king granted something, even the king couldn't take it back. Well, remember in America, who's the king? We are. Yes. Boom. Bada bing. Bada boom. That's true. But the now, law of the land also says that certain listen. portions of the English law are also in in force. Well, hey, let's test it. Let's test it and see what portions are and what portions aren't. Because uh, if you actually think about it, in which Colin has and uh, uh, Mrs. Fairfax, you have too. If if you actually think about it, what Colin just said about back in the old days when the king was the monarchy. Well, we don't live in a monarchy. We live in a people's republic where we are the king. So I can grant and I can take back. We we are the ones that grant the state certain interests and in certain properties that we have. And then right. the state imposes taxes on it and all that bullshit and we follow through with it. We are the only ones that can go back to the same place that we granted it, which is usually at the county. And... It's, give a uh, what do you call that, Roddy? What do you call that? A uh, not a forfeit, a uh, not no, a rescission. Is that a rescission? Yeah, not a surrender. It could be or a re- revocation, maybe a revocation. Hey, I asked the only reason we can do that is because we were not in full knowledge. You see, the monarch when they get a grant, a they are in full knowledge. What about a reconveyance then? A surrender of title. Uh, it's no, I surrender. 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 Roddy's right, right there. It's called surrender of title. And what it is is we, I, asked the state to protect my property, and what I had to do is grant them an interest in it, in which they gave it a title. So I asked them for protection, and they, they gave me a title. So at the same time, I'm asking for a title in exchange for interest. And what we have to do is surrender the title. 
and it's it's from the state. And remember, the state is not one man or woman. It, it's just this entity that doesn't exist. It only exists on paper. And once you surrender it, the state and the county have no more interest in your property. They cannot tax no, it. They, no cannot it. they cannot do anything with it. As long as you don't commit crimes, you know, real crimes don't, that one man or woman, you know. Don't forget. Don't forget what we talked about last week about being a settler. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's called settling it, is, is some, uh, surrendering the title. That means the title is settled back to the original man or woman that actually owns the property. As long as it's lien-free, debt-free, claim-free, you got to make sure that, you know, you don't owe any money on it or something, you know. So let me see if I can make it, make this, spit it back and see if I get it correctly or not. When you're, quote unquote, the term that you're using, surrendering the title, what you're really doing is you're giving back the interest that you granted to them for a particular service that they were, believe it or not, already obligated to perform, which can is I to protect you? your life can and property. Hold on. Can I correct you real quick? It, it's not you're giving back the interest. You're, you're actually taking back your interest and giving back the title that the county and state gave you in exchange for that interest. You're taking back your interest, which means right, now right, have 100% interest. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, you gave, well, you gave them interest in, yeah. in exchange for a title, yeah, and they gave, the title the title. gave them interest in your property in order for them to provide you with a service of protecting your property. Yeah, that they were already obligated to give. Yeah, and guess what? Well, comes well, okay, but exactly, they were already obligated. But that's the trick. We know they're tricksters, okay? But yeah. th but now we're identifying what the trick was. They were already obligated to protect our property, but people were stupid and foolish. So when they said, "Hey, we'll get these idiots to give us interest in their property by telling them, hey, we'll protect your property exactly. uh, if you give if you give, if we if you give us interest in the property, we'll give you a title, and then we'll protect your title." Yeah, and we'll get and and we'll put a yearly tax on it too because we're we're providing you a service, aren't we? The the protection and then and then the county and then the county says, well, part of protecting the property is coming out there and telling you that you can't have stuff on it that we don't like yeah. the looks of because the county now has to do it this way. We have to do it this way exactly. Wow, no, that makes that makes so it sound sense. like it's not our stuff, right? Well, it's not. Once once we handed over that interest in return for protection, we gave up rights of, uh, let's say, how it should be. Control? We, we gave up control. control. Yeah. So if Colin wanted to add on to his house, in which he had to ask permission. The county, it would have to be done the county's way, right? right. Because Because he gave them control of how it's going to be protected. And Can so I tell you guys something? Can I tell you guys something um, about you, you know how we all think we've been we're like part of some sort of corporation and we don't know how that happened. Mm -hmm. There's a law, or there's a there's a legal a, a legal case from the time that our government has to give credence to that says. No one can be forced to be a member of a corporation without their consent. And it's from yeah. like the 1600s. Well, that's true. Right. What, what he's talking about here is that we were we were all tricked to consent. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, I agree. And, but 
but I'm just saying you can't be forced to be a member without your consent and because of the trickery that voids everything. I absolutely agree with you. And <clears throat> But it sounds like, once again, that it's kind of like discovery. Once you've discovered the deceit, you almost, you have an obligation to do something about it. And if you fail to do it, then it's considered that you are willingly and knowingly consented. So technically, everybody listening to this call who understands what we just talked about, the first thing we ought to do within a reasonable length of time is go do something about it. And say, oh, guess what? I think statutorily we only have six years, but they've forced statutory citizenry on us, and so I don't think it, it really qualifies. Colin, can I add something on to that uh, about, the, you know, how the, the county, you know, they tell you, we, we grant interest, right? And most of the reason why is, because imagine this. Imagine you got a property free and clear, and I come in and I want to buy it, okay? But I have to borrow money from a bank to buy it. So you get Supposedly. paid off. But here, here's the thing. is You get paid off, Colin, so you're, you're fine. But I buy your property, that property with the house and everything on it. Well, the bank is protected by limited liability through the state because I borrowed the money to, you to buy your property that they get to make the rules about how I control this property. Like I can't do certain things, you know, because I'm in right. debt. In the, that's actually, all of that's in the deed of trust. You're quite right, but that's in the deed of trust. Mm-hmm. Well, that's but that's how most people get. That's when they, I they, they misunderstand the situation. To the state through the bank because I borrowed money. Had I just paid you cash, man to man, there would be no taxes on that property. There'd be no interest to the state on that property. There'd be no title to the property. There'd be nothing. Yeah. Just, okay, okay, and see, this is the fascinating part, and this is beautiful because virtually every property I've ever bought, I've bought without a loan. And yet, every single one of them was put on the tax roll. Okay. Exactly. Now, I was going to say the same thing. Colin, okay. Now, here's what's interesting is I recall one time, I can't remember who I was talking to, um, and I was talking about the actual physical thing, and I don't know why, but he asked me a question when he said, well, when you went and you went and got the title transfer or whatever it was at, at that office, I said, yeah, he says, do you recall the lady gave you uh, a piece of paper? Did she hand it to you or did she lay it on the table and slide it across the table to you? And I said, well, she slid. In fact, he didn't even ask me that. He said, what happened? And I said, she slid it across the, ca- the countertop to me. And he said, it's amazing you remember that because that detail is so very, very important. If she handed it to you. Well, what it was is that because I picked it up on my own, it was not where she gave it to me. It was where she put it on the countertop and slid it over to me, and Uh I picked it up and then filled it out. That that meant that I was voluntarily doing it without my knowledge. Now, I I get the reality that it was without my knowledge, but... In, in the legal legal bullshit, you know, they, they crossed their T's and dotted their I's. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, ah, So we have to go back. Now, this is where the SESTA-KV Act comes in, where if you continue reading it, where it says, <clears throat> excuse me, that they have to send out three search parties to find out either the dead body or the, the living man and bring him back. Uh, hey, and let, not, let me tell you how you not, do that real quick. It goes back to the county recorder. Put put Go to the county recorder. 
put in an affidavit that says, this is my property. Anybody with a higher claim, please come forward, record that. Okay? Just record it. The county recorder, not in any court. Fuck, screw the court. At the county recorder. If, if nobody challenges that recording, then that recording stands because that's your word. Nobody can call you a liar. Sounds simple, right? I agree. Yeah, yeah. they'll let you if do nobody it. Challenges it <laughs> then that's yours. That's how it is. And, and maybe someone will challenge it, but then they have to bring a higher record than your record right there. This is my property. Challenge it. Then they have to bring higher standing title, whatever. They have to say, oh, this is mine, I paid for it, blah, blah, whatever. But then you, then you can challenge someone, you know, at that let point. Me ask you, let me ask you how you challenge the special warranty deed. Uh, well, the the warranty deed is, uh, I think that's a statutory instrument that goes after the deed of trust and all that, which is very, that's, that's after we grant interest to a bank you know, to, to a title company that's after we already grant all these rights to all these other people to control our property because we owe a debt. That's the only yeah. reason why you would have an The thing is they rent. never, they fail, to, they fail to tell us that we're in an investment, we're in an investment contract. It's yes. not a debt. They, they, they call fail it a debt, to tell us that. Debt. We've invested if something. You owe a debt. It's real hard to stand as a man or woman because you, in the legal world in which we borrowed the debt, this fake world over here that in which we borrowed, the, that world is real strong. You know it. It, it runs the whole world, actually. And see, sure. we don't have any standing in that world. Um, all we can do is just make a claim on the, on the public record, say, this is my property. Well, and even in that sense, debtors do have rights, too. Let me ask you a different question. Yeah. How you can verify, uh, confirm the special guarantee deed is valid or uh, is, uh, is a good special guarantee deed? Shouldn't I, the person or the man accept it? Should they get a pay for it? Should have a, uh, what is this, the... Uh, custody of title. What does make the special warranty deed valid? I'm I'm not sure what warranty deed is actually. Colin probably knows the whole statutory version of it. But but if you think about the words warrant, it's a warrant deed. It's a warrant. Yeah, somebody's, somebody's out for you. Somebody's out for you for some reason. Yes, somebody wants whatever. Whoever's holding that deed is actually liable for something. It, it's not, and I haven't bought a house or nothing. I don't know anything about warranty deeds, but I'm just saying the the sound of it is like, it's a it's basically a claim check in your pocket that everyone's going to come after if you don't right, pay. Let me, let, me, let me establish what a warranty is so you get a, a grasp on it. Okay. A, warranty de- a warranty deed means that whoever granted the warranty deed, that they, under warrant, if you want to put it that way, they warranty, in other words, they guarantee that the title is good and true, um, and they will, uh, what is it, they will defend, they will defend anybody making a claim against the property. 
Very good. So can, that's I, can I add on real quick? Because a, a warrant signed by a warrant that a sheriff has, let's say a sheriff has a warrant, what the warrant is is actually the signature of the sheriff or the, of the judge, the county judge. So the warrant itself is actually like a an, an authority. So exactly, right. that's exactly, that's exactly what it's saying. It's saying yeah. that I have the authority by – it's not warrant, it's warranty. And the warranty means that I, under warranty, warrant, you could say that, that I mean. am one who, if there is a warrant, if there's any warrant, any claim made against this property that I have transferred to you, that I am the one who will fight for that title to ensure that it's clear. Any cost in fighting it, anybody who comes and makes a claim against this property other than you who I've transferred it to, I am the one who will be warranted, warrant, may okay. have the now, warranty on them, not you. That's what it means. It's very clearly defined. As the woman who just asked about that, like, you know, whoever issues the warrant actually has power in the warrant, let's say. So if the state issues the warrant or the county issues the warranty deed, who do you think is going <laughs> to... Take your house under the warranty deed. You know, whoever issues it, right? I disagree. I say that the one who issues the warrant has the obligation to prove the warrant, to prove the they have to they have to give the enforcement. Okay, let me let me try it one more time. It is very clear. It's actually in a warranty deed. It defines what it means. It's it actually continues to define what it means. It says, "I warrant against any." In other words, I I am the one who is complete. I guarantee and I warrant against my. I will make all payments. I will defend all claims that come against this property, that that may come that may come against it. So what it's saying, is that you own this property, absolutely and completely. And anyone who makes a claim, I am obligated to defend against them to ensure that this property remains yours. That anybody makes a claim, and any cost thereof, and it actually says all this. It actually says all of this that I, that I that I will um, defend the, the, uh, anybody against anyone who makes a claim. So if the state makes the warrant then if it's, a, if it's a warranty deed from the state, then the state is warranting and guaranteeing that anyone who makes a claim against that property, they have including to find you. it and defend that title. That's what it means. Including the homeowner. Yeah, that's right. Because they're protecting the bank. That's what they're doing. They're not protecting the homeowner. They're, the warranty is for the bank. But wait a minute, I already explained to you that the warranty deeds that I get, all the deeds that I get, or the titles rather, they were all, uh, I'd buy them all except for a few, I got as a result of a outright cash purchase. So I see the same exact, I, I see the same thing, like I bought one which was a HUD property, and it was a warranty deed from HUD. I bought it at auction. All right, and now, was, now, but Colin, let's go back to real quick. How was the property transferred into your name? Because it, because that's where title transfers. That's what it's called. This the title transfer, like property transfer, interest transfer, everything transfers. 
And if it transfers into your name, your whatever they call the all-caps name, then, of course, you're liable for taxes, rent, payment, all the crap on it. Even I got right. It was upper and lower, lower case. I got okay, my hand well, But if you – go ahead, Roddy. No, go ahead. I'll just let you know. It was upper and lower. It was put into my proper name, upper and lower case. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the upper and lower case means anything. I'm saying, but it was trans. The the documents that you signed, even though you handed over, let's say, cash, right, to get that property, the the documents that you signed were not your own documents. They were state or county documents, right? They they said they trans. So you're transferring all the interests of that property right back to the same people that had it. Yeah, they just slid it across the table to you, right? Yeah, they just slid it across the table. And that's the, the sleight of hand right there, where they, they get us to just transfer interest of your property. Even though you paid off the previous owner, he's happy. You didn't borrow money from the bank. There is no uh, mortgage on it. So that property, you should just stop that paperwork right there. Put in a recording. Your own recording, not not their paperwork. You go to the county recorder and say, this is my claim, my property right here. It's from this tree to that tree to this fence to that fence, and there's an entrance right here, and there's a piece of house right there. That's mine. Now, let them tax that. They can't. They cannot tax that because it's not in their records anymore. You stop that, that line of paperwork. You know what I mean? Got a question on this topic for Colin, if he would. Go ahead. Um, I'm listening, but I, I, I'm I'm liking and not liking all at the same time. But I'm interested in truth. I mean, yeah, Colin, like I said, this I I have no experience with this. I've never done it. This is just ideas. So we're open to talk. I'm not an authority on this at all. Well, you know, I'm going to look into it and see what makes sense and what doesn't. And I'll look into it. But a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So you know, I'm going to pay attention. Go ahead, Roddy. Talking about it. Talking about it, I'm sure we'll we'll get we'll take a step forward. That's what I want is a step. When forward. we are successful, do, and we'll yeah, do me a favor. What you need to do is call me directly, uh, so we can have a discussion. It's really hard to hear people on this on this line. Believe it or not, to be clear, and and I want to go through the process, which we don't have time to do here, to actually go up and look on the internet and get documents and so on and so forth, and then call back a few hours. So yeah. I, I want to do that, um, but not not right this minute. If it's all right with you. No, I, 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 I know who you are. I think you've heard of me, or we can just go through Sonia. Uh, Roddy wants to say something. Yeah, go yeah. ahead and get, ask Sonia. You got Sonia's phone number? <clears throat> yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, if not, you can yeah get my phone number from her, um, or you can just send me an email at truthmonger6 at gmail.com, and I'll, I'll send you my phone number. You call me directly, all right? Okay, will do, yeah. And I'll, and I'll record... Yeah, and I'll record, I always record the calls because sometimes we come to discoveries that are worthwhile and so on, so no big deal. Yeah, yeah I appreciate I am uh, interested to participate in this discussion, and uh, I have a definition for general warranty deed and a special warranty deed, but I don't go through that. But my question is that when you have a title insurance, and that title insurance helps you to fight for the special warranty deed? Here's what I say. And Colin knows a lot more about the the statutory world of, of mortgages, deeds, debts, and property than I do. But the, the, the point is, if you borrowed money from a bank, and I know it's not money and all that crap, 
if you if you actually put in paperwork to a bank, what we what we actually did was we signed over an interest, our our interest in the property to a fake thing called the bank, and in return the state protects that bank. Right, the, the state wants to protect the banking and money in this, you know, in this country, and so they protect the bank. And what they do is they go down to the county and say, "Okay, now this property, whatever this lady uh, borrowed money for, has to be regulated in this way. It has to be. She she gave us the right to do that. So then we can tax it. We can tell her how to cut her grass. We can tell her how to do this. We can tell her how to do that." Because we signed over the interest only because we borrowed the money in the first place. This is the perfect lead-up to my question for Colin. Yeah, go ahead. He calls them fraud closures, but Colin, when someone who wants a house or whatever you call it goes to a bank and they get foreclosed on, aren't the banks really just trying to get their interest out of it? I mean, like like an investor? Because after all, you thought... I'm going to answer two questions here. The first one was that lady, she was talking about a special warranty deed. If you weren't here for what I mentioned uh, about an hour or two ago, when I was talking about a special warranty deed, um, I can't do my voice anymore, but anyway, I do it for a reason. There we go. Can somebody say a special warranty deed? Thank you. Um, So... A special warranty deed is just a term that means no warranty expressed or implied, which is very different from a warranty deed. What it means, a special warranty deed means whatever interest that the party who signed it has is the only interest that you have, which is very different from a warranty deed, as I explained a minute ago, whoever grants you the warranty deed. They are the ones who are warranting that it is true and good, and if anyone comes against them or has a claim, they must defend it. Whereas a special warranty deed says, oh, I didn't have any interest in it. Ah, too bad, you're screwed. That's what a special warranty deed is, and that's why all of your foreclosures where the trustee does a deed, it is a special warranty deed because it's supposed to say, it's a requirement, no warranty express or implied because they know damn well that they don't have the ability to do a warranty deed because they know that one day somebody could discover that you actually were the owner and that they never loaned anything. So therefore they never had a claim. So they can't actually give and transfer the property on foreclosure. Now to answer your question, Roddy, to answer your question, Roddy, it's a real simple one. You, the pretense is that, hey, I loaned you $500,000, and you didn't pay me back, so you put up the collateral, which was the house, the, the golden necklace, the diamonds, whatever it was, and you gave me rights to cure the harm that would be done to me because you haven't paid me back that which I loaned you. The problem, Roddy, and this is why I've gone through this a thousand times, if anyone goes to livinglies.wordpress.com, you'll see a recent posting. I do a lot of posting under the company of, of creators. That's my handle there. You'll see where I posted once again a very loud and strong, obnoxious if you want, uh, layout to get people, slap people in the face that the very, very, and look, that the, look, any magician 
And this is why I don't think people get it, because they're so used to being fooled. Every, the only reason I know this is because I know that I study a little bit about magicians. Magicians do the trick before they do the presentation. Now, what have we learned about courts? You want to do your filing before the presentation. The, everything's already decided. Everything else is just a show. The same thing is true here. The very, very beginning is what it says it right there in the note and everybody screws up. Go to the case law after case law after case law. The first thing that the, that the, the plaintiffs do is they say the following. So-and-so and such-and-such such on such-and-such such a date got a loan from so-and-so and such-and-such such a bank and then they defaulted on it. And guess what? Because people do not know that they didn't get a loan, and even if they think that they might not have, they never challenge it. That Colin, what you do Colin, not. Colin, what? Emergency, emergency. What if exactly what you said? You know, the first thing that they do is exactly that. They make us sign these documents. Say the the, the first thing they do. What if we went to the county recorder, not a statutory recorder, not some court that we don't know who owns it or what's going on there. What if we went to the county recorder and said, this is my property. It's from this tree to that tree to that tree to that tree. Now, record that, get it stamped by the county, send it up to the Secretary of State, get him to stamp it too because he's a mandatory recorder, get that paperwork back, and then when anybody has a claim against your property, you just show that paper. If a bank comes back with all this bullshit, deed of trust, all this stuff, it's just a deed of trust. All they're looking for is the money. Not the property. You okay. have a claim for the I, property. I, already, I totally, I, I totally agree with that, and we, we're moved on. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. I, I agree with you a hundred percent, and and we're going to work that out. I'm going to test it out. That's why I want to talk to you. Got yeah. some details. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, and we're now so, moving on from in that. In those in those court battles, it's all about paperwork. That's it. It's all about paperwork. And if you have the higher stamp, who wins? You do. I don't. I don't disagree with that. Although I'm gonna, I will say this: that I don't trust the courts to to abide by anything. Listen, because a bank I, can't walk into any place and stamp something. A, a bank can't actually do that. And you know the, you know the term, you know, standing or equality under the law is paramount. So standing is paramount. So when you show up to court, if a bank tries to challenge you over your property, and you show up with a higher stamp, that's your standing. Hey, Colin, you know when I talk about I get all that, but brother, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. What? Here's the thing, and I think you admit you haven't been there. You haven't been through a foreclosure. You haven't been through the whole process. I was not only have I been through the process about 15 or 20 times, but I used to be a licensed real estate agent, which means I actually went, and, I, and none of this stuff that we're talking about, and it's not until you go to court having an absolute, clear, complete, title to something and every way you can think of accepted the but whole nine yards. Hey, 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 stop. Remember, you don't have just look clear and complete because guess who grants the title? The state. They're going to hey, win every time. They're going to win every time. Colin. Yeah, Roddy, right. right. I've been trying to finish up to answer your question. <clears throat> you point, let me finish one little statement I'll be done. The point is look at the note. What does the note, and I've seen a hundred different notes, even commercial paper, and what are the very, very, very beginning words, the very beginning words say, in return it incriminates for you. Exactly. a loan, it incriminates you. 
for Please. a loan that I have received, and you sign it. See, it incriminates you in the commercial world. In the commercial world, you're a debtor. They stylize it as if you wrote it so you can agree to it. That's right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, first yes. of all, first of all, okay, you guys want to go there? Let's go there. Okay, first of all, in return for a loan, I have passed Who signed the bottom of that? Who signed you, it? You shut up for a minute. Let me finish. Okay, I will. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Gus, Gus, mute him out. All right, mute him I, out. I can't, I can't get a thought out. You can't interrupt me like that. It's not right. In return for a loan I have past tense received, I promise to pay. Therefore, the promise to pay is what? Conditional upon having received. Now, I'm going to get nasty here. You are identified, you, quote, unquote, you, are identified as the borrower. Is that correct, Roddy? Oh, I was muting out. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Named, when it has borrower, it is your name comes after it. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. It's an undertaking. Uh, listen, I didn't ask you to answer another question. Answer the one question I'm asking, please. Does it not say it identify the borrower has your name there? Yes. And what name is after the lender as identifying the lender? I I can't. The bank, right? Some bank or another, right? So excuse my language, but who the fuck is I? So you guys wanted to go there. I've done this. I've done this analyzation. George and I did a whole show for two hours breaking no, down single dot with one of these notes. Who is I in return for a loan no. I have received? I promise to pay. We're no going much identified as I. We're going much simpler. Oh my God! Very simple, Rowdy. Tell them about staking a claim. Just go to your go to your property, stake the claim, record it, and then let no, someone. No, I was gonna. I was gonna ask my question. Denying that, we're moving on. Jesus Christ! I got a I got a question for you. Hey, Colin. Yeah. You just discussed it. You know, talk about deception. It's all in the you know when you read something, it's all you know we're being deceived. But I was just thinking about Adam and Eve. You know, she made a deal with the devil. He could. Why didn't he just say, you know, hey, you deceived me? Why didn't he just go? You, you know, I was a snake, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to realize you're making deals with snakes. If you don't get the full details, they're still a snake, you know. Well, you know, you know, Lady Fairfax, will, you know, knows this too, and so do I. And and, and you know, the people who haven't deal with this, you know, what I don't mean to be rude, but you guys are be, becoming armchair warriors. Unless you've been in the battlefield and you understand exactly what a sword feels like and what sword work, you're really trying, doing armchair warrior stuff. And I'm explaining stuff. You're not listening. We're trying to keep you out of the battle because the battle in, has nothing to do with you, Colin. The battle that you're facing has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with title, registration, everything about the property. And the state owns that. The county controls that. They tax it. They move it. They do it. That's what they do. But the people of this country own property. We are the only ones that own it, but we never record it properly. We always transfer interest to the county, to the state. 
which in turn gives them administrable rights. That, that's what they're doing, and there's nothing wrong with that. They'll show up with armed fucking guards to take your property, evict an old lady, because she, through time or whatever, you know, over the time, gave them rights to do that. She was the one that signed her name. That's all they're doing is protecting the property of the USA. And, you know, you cannot fight that in some statutory foreclosure court or bank court or all this bullshit. All you have to do is go down to the county recorder and record your own interest. Say, this is my interest. Sorry. I got to calm down, I guess. I got that, and I totally agreed with you on that. Okay, so we take a 10-minute break and say, okay, we totally agree with that. Now let's come back 10 minutes later and let's have a new conversation. I totally agree with that 10 minutes ago. I totally agree with that. I get it. I'm there. I'm on a different conversation right now, a different subject. The subject I'm getting to is just because you act like an asshole doesn't mean that I have the right to, 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 to rape you. Okay? Oh, you well, have I, to still... I didn't mean to be an asshole at all. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter what you said or signed or did. What matters is whether you had full knowledge of that alleged consent or transfer. If you didn't have full knowledge... What we're talking about is knowledge. Isn't it? We're talking about knowledge, right? Like, not knowledge that's on a, a piece of paper that comes from the state. We're talking about knowledge between you and me and Sonia and Fairfax and, and Roddy and whoever else is on this call. We're talking about sharing this knowledge. About, I think I know where Colin's... Hey, Colin, I think I know what you're trying to say. Are you going back to earlier if it's not in the paperwork? It didn't happen. Are you like taking it for face value? What I'm trying you... to express is that when you look at the deed of trust and what it says, it's going back to contract again. Our power to contract is absolute. When you go back to the deed of trust and see what you wrote, what you assigned to, okay, you, you have granted the right to interest. You granted interest to whom? To whom did we grant interest in the deed of trust? You're not see there again. I know you haven't read the deed of trust in the note and understand it because otherwise you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. The note is different from the deed of trust. Who did we grant interest to in the deed of trust? See, that's exactly where it goes right there. That that one signature. We, we granted interest in the deed of trust. It's called a deed of trust. Deed meaning act of trust. To whom? Who's the trustee? We don't know, right? It's whatever the bank chooses. No, it's not. You are the one. You're the grantor. You granted trustee. You don't get to choose the trustee. trustee. You do not get to choose the trustee. You don't get to choose the trustee. Do you, Colin? Absolutely. I do it almost every single time. Here we go. Right. I never take, so I never accept your trustees. I always create my own trustee. I always assign my own trustee. Who you are the, your your own trustee? Oh my God, dude! I can't do this anymore. I can, you know you're just exhausted. You won't allow me to to to. to you don't want to do your thing, do your I, teaching, and I'll shut up. Hang hang in there, Carl. I mean, not Carl. Colin, hang in there. <laughs> Pretend we're in a court battle. Colin, it's Colin. Play 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 along, Colin. Come on. I know it's frustrating, but it's a good court debate. We're stepping. We're we're stepping. That's what we're doing. I think. Uh, yeah, pretend oh, we're holding a mock court. In a deed of trust, why is there even that document? Why does that document even exist? If I bought a piece of property from you, from you, cash on hand, would I have to sign a deed of trust? 
Let me ask you that question. Would I have to sign the deed of trust? Absolutely not. We're not talking about that conversation. Okay. I already said there's okay. Okay. Possibly... Oh, my so God. Exactly. It goes to exactly back what I said to was once we mortgage the property or borrow money from a property, that's the, the bank issues the deed of trust. The bank does. You don't. I so don't. So Colin's uh-huh. already talking. He's, I think Colin's talking, addressing the audience that's already in the in the mix or in the uh, battle. Right. I guess. Okay, sorry about that. Right. Yeah, but not what we just talked about. Later, spend almost a whole hour. But, but you really need no to listen to the recording. Spend a whole hour on de- describing and identifying what a trust is, what a trustee is, what a grantor there's is. No, there's no remedy there, Colin. There is no remedy there. We already signed our name on the bottom of the deed of trust and the note and all the other following paperwork. We are. You already agreed to what's going to happen to you. You already no. agreed. But you're not understanding because you haven't read it. You don't know what I agreed to, or what I created, or what I granted. I'm trying yes, to explain. I, I, have I have read them. It, 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 it's all it's designed for the bank and the state and, and the don't tell me what line 20, if you, Then tell me what line 26 says. Tell me one... Tell me one man just walked into a court saying what you said and won and walked out with the house. Uh, I already that, now you're shifting subject. See what you what's called oh, deflection. Oh, oh, the deflection. Either you know what the deed of trust says, or you don't. I do, and I know what I signed, and I'm sharing it, with you some very powerful information and other people who are Colin, interested Colin, in this. Colin, 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 ask you a question: Do you have a mortgage? Colin, Colin, I'll. Do I'll, you have a mortgage? Have you ever signed a deed of trust? Colin, Colin, I'll read you line 26. Okay, I'm going to read it, okay? Blah, 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 blah. Now, did you write that? Did you write that or did someone else write that and you signed it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because did you don't you understand write, contract did law. Or did someone else write that and we signed we did. I'm not saying just we, you. And it's our signature that authorizes it as if we wrote it, knucklehead. Stop interrupting. Okay. When know. you sign a dot, look, the way that contract law works is that, in fact, there's all sorts of case law, which is that the one who cre- the bank provides the contract and you're the signer, you can win if you can simply show that you did not understand what was written. And in fact, the courts will favor, are required to favor the one who signs it over the one who provided it because the one who provided it is required to know everything that's in it. The signer is not held to the same standard. There's tons of case law on that. Because you accept you sign it, but if you you didn't sign it, you autograph it. They mislead you. You didn't know anything. You didn't have any knowledge. We never signed exactly. any Exactly. So what does country. that do? If you had no knowledge of what you were signing, could you have possibly had what's called in law a meeting of the minds? No. So therefore, in that case, it's void. But what I'm going after is something even more powerful because it's difficult to go, well, you signed it, you got the money. This is what judges do. Oh, you got the money, didn't you? You got this. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going after something that's even more powerful, and that's called contract law. This, you've just gone through and illustrated my point perfectly, that the state exists on paper, that all your treaties exist on paper. All your laws exist on paper. Those are contracts. 
Therefore, and Article 1, Section 10, says that no state shall make any law that abridges the obligation of contract. The signer is not as liable or as obligated as the one who provided the document, which is allegedly the banker lender or actually was just some sort of sales dude. But they are the ones that are more obligated to the obligations within it. So by doing that, if we look at the deed of trust itself exactly and precisely as it is written, there is a precise way that things can be done. And what I'm trying to show you is that they are not acting in good faith. They're not doing what's within it, within the provisions, the same thing with the statutes and law. What they're doing is they are using statutes and law under color of law, which means they're misusing it. If you are not engaged in activity of transporting of passengers or property for compensation over the highway, it is not freaking regulated. The same thing in the deed of trust. The deed of trust does not secure the note. Read it. It's right there. It secures the debt evidenced by the note. A huge difference. Now, so what does that tell you? The deed of trust requires the evidence and the only evidence that the deed of trust secures is what? The note. So number one, before they can even get started, and they always a foreclosure is not coming in under the note. The foreclosure is coming under the deed of trust, which is a trust, which we talked about for an hour and explained to you why this is so important. Under a who trust, trust law, they cannot who, reach it. Who controls when that trust? It clearly states that they only the lender... It does not say, at least mine doesn't, and most of them don't, they'll say lender and assigned. So therefore, anyone who is now coming into court as an assignee is not allowed to under the deed of trust, which means what? They are trying to enforce a contract that does not exist. It does, Next, exi- it does exist. It's got uh, your I'm, name on it. Dude, you're not understanding, okay? Once again, I already no, went to no, the contract law. I am understanding. I'm asking as the bank right This guy's ridiculous. He doesn't understand contract, the simplest thing. It goes back to the potato thing. If I give you $7 for a sack of potatoes, you don't give me a sack of potatoes, and you breach the contract. What do you not understand about the most simplest part of the contract? When did you come on this call? Hold on. Way late. Hold on. Why did you sign over the house as collateral for the loan then? Okay, if you give me a sack of potatoes... I did not sign over. I did not sign over. And I'll give you back your potatoes once you give me seven bucks. Okay, do you understand, like, what's going on there? You signed over interest to the property in the very first document that you signed. Interest to the bank, to the state. They are only administering what you told them to administer. You told them to do it. That's what they're doing. And you will not win, ever. And you shouldn't, because that's how beautiful the state is. Sorry. I agree with both of you, but if the contract is breached, what do you do? The state they can uh, improve it? Hold on, hold on. What do you mean contract breached, though? That means that you have a line of credit, and they're supposed to pay you the $200,000, and suddenly they change their mind and don't give you 200 and they give Here's you 150 
here's the big problem with all that is if you're asking someone else for your own credit, if you're asking them, they can do whatever the hell they want. Why don't we use our own credit? That's what I'm getting at. Use our own if, credit, our own If, you have, our if own we power. had the knowledge, if we have the knowledge, we sh- we didn't do it, but we don't have the knowledge. Maybe. We are not a banker. We are. We have do, to learn do, to be bankers. Do, do do exactly what they do. Make a record. That's all you have to do is make a record. That's what they do. What's your name, ma'am? Sorry, uh, first Shea. name. Make up a name, Shay. Yeah, and I want your number. So Please. If I look up Shay right, right now in the the bank records, it's probably terrible, right? Because they make a record of Shay. Why don't you make a record of Shay and say, you know what, my credit is unquestionable. I'm the one that funds this whole thing, this whole world that I look at. All that money comes in my name. You didn't buy hey, nothing. Hey. I, I went through that route. I went hey. and I no, yeah, I'm going to be everything. Hey. I'm not saying do A for B or nothing. I'm just saying just make a record got, of it. Go ahead, I, got, I, got a, I got a statement. The, the previous guy talking is very rude. He keeps interrupting. Um, uh, <laughs> me? Is that me? Yeah. Uh, like Colin, you know, I think what was Colin. No, when you talk about look what they do. You know how we talked about oaths, and you know the president takes a uh, a, cor- a coronation where he takes an oath. Well, if you want to talk about granting state um, title or title a state granting titles, and then they come and tell you what to what to do. Uh, look at the corporate on, side. On, look on, at the corporate. I'm not done. The no, no, no. state doesn't tell you uh, what uh, to me, do. You yeah, grant, that, you granted them the interest. They gave right, you the title, bro. Yeah, that guy right there. I don't know don't your name. Don't the state comes after you. You're the one that gave them the interest. I didn't finish Sorry. my point. Okay, go ahead. But guess muted my. Um, the pres <laughs> the the president by taking that title can't just run around willy nilly barking out orders. He grants certain people to handle him. The CIA, whatever you, the the, the not the CIA, the uh, Secret the Service, the administration. Yeah. The dude can't even take a crap without somebody watching over him. Oh, he's in the eye, the popular eye, the public. Yeah, because he grants the Secret Service an interest in his actions. That's a that's a perfect example of what you do when you go ask somebody for a title. Well, also the CIA is under his administration, right? The FBI is under the presidential administration, the, let's say, whatever, under this president's administration. It means that he, that office, granted them certain rights and titles to do certain things. But if they do anything wrong, he's liable, right? Did we lose Colin again? I think so. I think. Sorry, Sonia. I yeah, I think he's. Um, I think his battery died. He's been pretty much full on, you know, for about two, three hours here, hasn't he? Yeah, Sonia's not even responding. Did we lose her? Go ahead, Roddy. 
I said, Sonia's not even responding. Did we lose her? Oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> you fall asleep? No, no. And someone ran off calling again. Sonia, I, I, you, you <laughs> sent a, message, a private message there on Skype. I just want to reply to you right here and say that uh, I'm sorry. And uh, I'll oh, try no. to limit my questions to that which is relevant, and I won't chase off the host. Oh no no no, um, uh, Aaron. No, it's fine. I, um, I know what uh, you've been talking about, and I, I believe um, there's. It, 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 I think all it is, in my opinion, is just misunderstanding, um, because I I know what you're where you're going. Um, I've been following you for a while, and Roddy. And I, I see where you're going. We've been talking about this before a little bit on Skype, and Roddy's been sharing with me. And um, I, I understand Colin. And so I understand both. I, I think it just is going to take um, men and women time to sit down and, and sort it all out in order to truly understand what, what, what the other one is meaning. You're, um, you're familiar with repentance, aren't you, Sonia? You know what repentance means? Yes, yes. When, we, when we're talking about these things, every time I hear somebody, even Carl mentions about being honorable, it is so hard for someone to admit, I voluntarily signed onto the agreement, and it's hard for somebody to look in the mirror and say, I did this. And, and like I mentioned earlier, if you make a deal with a snake, and a year comes around and it, and it bites you and poisons you, and you say, "Oh my God, I didn't know what was going on." Yeah. The, the ignorance is what is it saying? Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You mm-hmm. made a deal with the snake. It's still a snake, regardless of how mm-hmm. you know how glorious it is. Mm-hmm. And you've got to look in the mirror and say, "I did this." Yeah. That, that's. Kind of just to add on, um, that's kind of where I was going with Colin. Was everything he's talking about in the statutory world with mortgages and warranty deeds and specials and deeds and trusts and all that? Whose signature is at the bottom? I kept asking, you know, I was butting in, I was being rude. Whose signature is at the bottom? Who did that? And he didn't answer, but. You ever see those videos when animals attack? They're hilarious. Some people go by, oh, my God, it was, I used to pet it, and I loved it for like five years, and it freaking attacked me. And it, it committed fraud. I'm going to take it to court because it committed fraud. It says right here on the paperwork, it's still yeah. an animal. Yeah, exactly. It will bite you. You <laughs> did it. Yeah. It's, it's something that will come back and bite you because there is no other party on what color it's so beautiful. It's going to grant me a title, and I want to have this glorious house and this pretty, this beautiful car to show off. Oh, crap, it bit me. What the hell? It's still a snake. That's right. But the I truth... Know, I understand that we did it, and I agree that I did it. I signed it. But I don't say that 100% it was my fault. I tricked to this one because when the economy was not doing good... In order to make the economy working out, they offer 0% interest. They offer all the uh, zero uh, qualification, verification.
education, everything was zero, 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 and very zero percent interest rate, negative amortization. And when you go through this, they knew that they what they're doing. We didn't hold know. On. Hold on, hold we on. Trust we, the system. we trust the system. And this system triggered us. Ma'am, we understand what you're going through, but remember, everything they're coming at you with, everything they might be coming at you with, or maybe your neighbor or whoever, is just paperwork, right? It's just paperwork, and it has the certain stamps on it. It has the certain stamps, and you always show up with maybe a piece of paper and zero stamps, and you just stand there, and we get just sent through the ringer. You know, we get sent through the grinder. Now, what if you showed up with one piece of paper with a higher stamp? What if that was the key? That's all I'm saying. I've never done it. I've never done it. But listen, listen, listen real quick. Listen real quick. Listen real quick. You haven't tried it. All you people say you've tried it. You've never gone on a recorder. You've never done it. Let me tell you what was my highest stamp. Don't fucking listen. First of all, I have a fee simple title, and I have a title insurance. Second, I have a husband. No, you and don't. Wife. That means that you're controlled by the state. So stop talking. Stop talking right now. Just stop, because that means that every single court you walk into has jurisdiction over you, over you. What I'm saying is you need a higher standing in which the court has no jurisdiction over you. And that is that of a woman, a woman on the land. I told them I'm a woman. No, you don't tell us for this. You don't tell them. No, I give them notice. I give them notice. (laughs) I did everything. If you would just listen for one second, you might get it. You might get it. Just listen for one second. I love it. Go ahead. Every single piece of paperwork they're bringing against you that is burying you and as you're getting buried by paperwork, that's it, has their own little private stamp on it, and they're stamping it all over. I'm going to make the sound on my phone. Okay, they're stamping it all over. Good for them. You know why? Because they believe that you believe it because you appeared, you appeared in their court as the homeowner, the resident, and all this bullshit. Okay, now stop. You, what's your name, ma'am? And I need you. Take a step back. Take a two or three steps back. Yes. Think about how property in this world is uh, administered. Let's say if you believe in God, then God gave it to you, right? Okay, I believe that. Now, go to the place and make your claim for land. I'm not saying the Carl Lentz claim, like, oh, I claim this. You just go record, this is my house, this is my land, that's it. And the county will stamp it. They will stamp it, and you send it up to the Secretary of State for a, for a secondary stamp. Boom. Now, if anybody challenges your property, whether the bank for money or somebody else for something, all you have to do is show that paper. And guess who the liability falls on? The county and the state. Now you have back. Now you have standing. See, we walk into these courts, you know, oh, foreclosure courts, everybody, and we have no standing because we have no stamp. We have nothing. Or we have, a, we have the, you know, the, the stamp from the court we walked into, which is obviously the court that is going to, you know, rob us. But we have to have a higher stamp. 
that's the stamp we need. It's from the county recorder and the Secretary of State. And all it has to say is, this is my property. And, and the Secretary of State and the county recorder cannot call you a liar. They, they are not uh, character judges. All, if you say it, it's true. That means that someone else can challenge you. Someone else can say, oh, it's not true. Okay? But the, the state cannot say it's not true. So if the bank comes to you, if the bank comes to you and says, oh, it's not true. This is my land. You hold up this piece of paper, just one. They have books and books and files and files of paperwork and all this bullshit. You just hold up one piece of paper and say, this is my land. Fight that. All they have, all they have to do is show that they possess the land and they have an interest in the land. And they cannot do either. Both are gone. And Thank the judge will rule in your favor because you have the highest piece of paper. And if the judge rules against the county or the state, he's going to get fired. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will do that. You understand where I'm coming from right there. Yes, I know. I understand. And I was planning to do that, and you confirm it. Thank you. Oh, you bet, Shay. All I'm saying is I've never done it. It's just my thinking, like, this is how they used to do it in the old days. This is how it should still be done. The reason why most of these folks are having problems is because we've joined the commercial world because nobody's made their own... Claim the land, you know? Yeah. Okay. Can I add to what you're saying, Erin? Because, like I said, I, I, I believe I understand um, what you're saying. Uh, the friend that I live with here, um, he owned five acres. He split it up and... Um, then he sold the house, you know, that he had originally built, and he built on the other two and a half acres. Okay, yeah. so he paid cash for it. It's yeah. his property. You know, he he paid cash with, you know, from from the other. Sonia, I'm I'm known as the interrupter. <laughs> I'm sorry about. That. But so, when you say he paid cash, like, but did he transfer title? Remember, when when you pay cash for land or pay cash for a car or, or even pay cash to Walmart for something, Walmart gives you title. They give you a receipt, right? But that's from Walmart. You can only return that, uh, you know, that TV back to Walmart. You can't return it anywhere else. So... Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is what he did wrong. I, he wonders why he's on the, the tax roll. And I said, well, you know, where's your deed? He said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't exactly. know. Yeah. <laughs> I see, exactly. he said, I don't have one. And I said, that well, you, you're registered. In, obviously, you're registered in the wrong place. Yeah. yeah. That deed, that first deed from, from whoever he bought it from to him, is the most important piece of paper in a man's life. Yeah. As long as he paid cash for it or, or the, the, the seller was satisfied, right? You, you can't cheat people. So yeah. But once that seller transfers him the deed and they both sign it, that's the deed that is untaxable, it's a low deal, it's, it's absolute title because it's the deed to the land that's described on the deed. And no government can tax that, you know. 
until we transfer it, until we transfer interest to them. And then they can tax it all day long, and that's what they do. So what, what he's done is he had a lawyer fill all this out, and the lawyer had it registered to where he, whatever the land registry or whatever it is, I don't know, but yeah, he had it registered to the wrong place, so now he's on the tax roll and he's pay, paying tax. And he had nothing to do with any banks or anything else, but he just did it through a lawyer, and the lawyer went and did it through the traditional way. And yeah, he, even if uh, he didn't owe money on the property, right? Maybe he paid right. it, yeah. settled it, cash, cash, man to man. What what the next thing is going to happen is the county is going to show up knocking on his fence post saying, "Hey, hey, do you want to register this place? Well, you got to register it. You know, it, it's it's zoned as this and that, and it's all got about to be this. All he has to say is, "No thanks." But what we normally do is we run down to the county office, right. we register it, we title it, we put insurance on it, and we do all this stuff that in return we should get protection, right, for our property in case, let's say somebody gets on this property and burns this whole place down, the the state should uh, kind of insure him, you know, at least back him an insurance claim. But who needs that? We don't all need that, you know, but we've all done that. Um, Sorry. No, that's true. No, that's that's true. And we're just in, enslaved to thinking that we have to do these things. We're told that we have to do it. Hmm. Yeah, but you don't have to do it. There's no law that says you have to register or title your property, any any species of property, whether it's car, children, <laughs> you know, land, exactly. computer desk, you know, whatever it is. There's no law that says they, they don't force us to do it. We always walk in and do it. You know, we always just walk in and then sign our name and we grant an interest to the state to protect it. And that's when they come breaking down your door and saying, yeah, we can forceful entry because it's their house. We we granted them an interest to break down our door. You know, it, it makes total sense to me. Very simple. All we have to do, though, is as long as we don't owe a bank or as long as we don't owe anybody, then we can go down to the county recorder, record that this is my property. Just even a very simple statement. You know, remember maybe 100 100 years ago, this is my property. Record it. Get it stamped. Take your recording. Go back home. If anybody, any government agent tries to break into your house, they're going to ask for ID, right? Hey, who are you? You just show this. It's got a county stamp on it. The people that pay them, says, this is my property. They're going to back off. As long as there's no emergency, you know. If the place is on fire, they're going to come on in and help you out. But, you know, if, if there's no other problem, they're going to back off. They have to because there's a county stamp on it. That's who pays them. The county court stamped, everybody's getting, you know, stamped on their documents. The county court stamp doesn't pay nobody. The county court is paid by the county. We're missing it. We need that county stamp. Because that's who pays all those people that are administering our property. 
Um, just give me one minute, please, Aaron. Uh, no, no, please. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I've got uh, I've had people, friends, friends here, um, asking to ask Carl on the call. Uh, friends, I've invited Carl to my call before. Uh, Carl knows of my call. He's never came to my calls, so um, I'm I'm not going to invite him if he doesn't wish to come. He knows, um, you know, my calls here for over two years now, so. Um, I'd appreciate it if you just, you know, we go to his calls on Saturday or whenever he has them, and, and a lot of times he doesn't even show up. So um, I don't even go to the calls anymore because I don't want to sit for four hours. Waste of time, man. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather be studying something that, uh, you know, I want to study or I study with friends. So anyway, I just wanted to get that clear. I've had a few people saying, oh, why don't you get Carl on the call? Well, I've invited him before and he hasn't come, so um, he's free to come whenever he wants to, but I have invited him. Yeah, well, you know... I... Thank you, thank you for that, Sonia. Thank you. Yeah. I just just so you know that I have invited him to my calls before, and he and I've been here for two years, so these, yeah. these calls. And exactly, Tony. Like, why would Carl come to your call? Because he has his own calls. Exactly. Like, uh, we, well, we have your call. He might come. You never know. Now we we never know. You're you're right. He, he could you always try again, Tony, if you wish to. Maybe, yeah. you know, he got busy, caught up something, you know. It's good to always invite as much as you can. That's yeah. what I would That's just my I think, uh, I think Carl's, um, what Carl does, I, I think it's not working as well as he wants it to work, actually. Um, anybody else? Well, this is the thing, like, um, I know personally myself, um there's a lot of missing pieces, so I, I'm reaching out in different directions, um, trying to fill in pieces and things like that, and I still go over Carl's calls and listen to his calls over and over again, And but there's any, he even admitted himself he was not going to give all the information out. So men and women are going to go elsewhere and try to pick up the bits and pieces um, you know, and if I want Carl's information, I'll go back to his calls. I'll, I go on his YouTubes, and I'll go to his call on Saturday nights and things like that. But I enjoy listening to the friends that, that come to my call and the information that they get. Like, Carl's not the only person in the world, the, the only man in the world that has this information. You know, there are many that have been out there way before Carl was even born. And uh, so there is lots of information out there where we can gather, you know, the bits and pieces that we need in our life, you know. So, uh, but anyway, friends, thank you very much for, um, you know, thinking of Carl coming to the call. But I'm I'm not going to invite him if he wishes to come. He knows my call's been the same for, like I said, hey. two years. Hey, guys. Yeah. Go ahead, Roddy. What was that about? All the charges were dropped, but doesn't he doesn't doesn't Frank still have to go before the grand jury? Or? Yeah, I don't know. You know, like I really don't want to discuss Carl's um, business here on on this. No, Carl Carl said he's got it well under control and just let him deal with it. So yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is like, no, it's more more like strategy. 
No, I was, I was actually doing um, um, Colin, actually. I was really enjoying what he had to say. My gosh, it's like, oh, just, <laughs> wow. And he says it so fast. It's, it's like, hang on, wait, wait a minute. I lost, I lost you after the second word. Yeah, we, we we do try and get him slowed down, but Colin had mentioned to me, to me before the reason he, he goes so fast is because, you know, hopefully not being interrupted. And if he gets interrupted, then he loses his train of thought. And But I'm going to try and talk with Colin and see if he'll, you know, maybe take half-hour breaks for questions because... Um, you know, I, I think we need that. We need to be able to stop them at a half an hour and say, okay, Colin, can we ask you some questions in a half an hour? Um, because it's just, it, he's he, he goes fast. Oh, what did he tell me was the reason that he went so fast for? Oh, because he's been confronted with police or, you know, with, you know, if it's judges or whatever. He's learned, he's from the Army too, eh? so he's learned to talk fast. You know, like, do you remember Carl's early shows? He used to talk fast, too. You could never you could never get a word in edgewise with Carl in his early shows. That's correct. Um, yep. And uh, that's, you know, that's just the way they... That's they, the new way. There you go. Yeah, so um, anyway, you know, Colin will, uh, Colin will come back. And, and it, like I say, if anyone, you know, knows of anyone that... Uh, you know, you think might benefit us here on the call, but with Carl, we we can we can go to his shows. You know, we can listen to his shows. Um, I'm interested in listening to other other um, men and women also, because there's a lot of great information out there. Like this link that I put on here earlier. If anyone wants to go back to the chat, um, Colin actually sent me this man. And I like the way this man broke everything down. Like he broke down jurisdictions, what type of jurisdictions, you know, we had to be aware of, you know, when we had to go to court. And, and, and a lot of us will have to go to court. So he broke everything down about courts, you know, what we need to, to take in there, even even in common law. Like we need to have subject matter. It wasn't too long ago. I didn't have a clue what subject matter meant. I, asked I don't someone. know. Yeah. yeah. I, we we don't know these simple things. So, I mean, we can learn all these missing pieces from all over the world, you know, and from many different types of men and women. You know, we can learn things from Colin. We can learn from Aaron, from Roddy, Janine. You pick things up. Aquila, you pick things up. Uh, Jim Lawfan, like, it, we all pick things up because we're going and, you know, we're, we're picking up information from different places. So... There's no need to to have just one specific person that we're listening to all the time, especially when when we're missing some pieces in our life. Like we're going to go hunting and, and, and looking for the information that we need somewhere else because we're not getting it all in one place. It is not a marriage bond here with Carl Lentz. Okay. <laughs> Love him dearly. But, you know... We're not getting all the information, and, and lately, you know, he's we he's not even having calls. And trust me, if if we think he's going to have a call, we're all going to be there, right? We all we all love him dearly, and and we love his information. But um, there's there's more there's more out there, and there and there are a lot of knowledgeable people out there that uh, are doing it uh, as good 
apparently is, is has won cases too and has helped many people. And he's still helping people and they're going to him. So anyway, that's my two cents worth, friends. That's the issue about Carl. So I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't ask me anymore to invite Carl because he can come anytime he wants and he has been invited. And he hasn't come. So I'm not going to ask him a second time. I've asked other people too, lots of other people, you know, and they haven't come. So I'm not going to, you know, ask them again. Okay? Okay, what you wish. <laughs> well, it's not as I wish. It's it's as others wished. Okay. But thank you. No problem. We all good. Yeah, 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 it is. It's all good. Oh, and then we get the odd one, like guest thirty-two here. Why do people have to come on here and just, just uh, you know, be nasty? What's happening? I can't see the board. Then just read it. You All know, right. guest guest thirty-one. Okay, yeah, I, I I don't like deleting people, but you know, you know tell us. But I will. I can't, I can't I read the board, Tony. So oh, I'll make, yeah, I know what he said. When they come on here and start cursing and swearing and. Oh. Um, and, and call just block him out. Just block him out. We shouldn't have to tolerate that. We're trying yeah, to learn here. I will. Well, if anybody's having any problem, uh, yeah. Can the, you read the record for me? <laughs> yeah, I'll read the record. Yeah, Hold I on, am. Daddy. I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble. Get rid of um, guest thirty-two. If, Thank you. If it's not, if it's not on record, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Hold on. Hey, Roddy, I'll go read your record. What county is this? Is this Bob Titus? No, somebody was talking, no. talking no. about no, Bob, no. and Bob, Bob has not even been a problem. Bob was on, and Bob didn't even say a word, but somebody comes on and says, oh, that Bob, that fucking Bob T's here again. And I thought, oh, here we go. They're just trying to cause trouble. It was wrong. Okay. Bob is very tame on your call. Yeah, he's he's really good. But anyway, if uh, anybody's got a problem on the chat here, just let me know. Say, delete so-and-so, the bug of me. I think Bob... Somebody, there's somebody, like... somebody out here that wants to to, to bother Janine, probably in love with you, Janine, and just jealous he can't have you. That's Bob. Bob's in love with Janine. <laughs> Other than the two ladies on the call, I think a lot of the guys are waking up and realizing that Carl is... He might be a good guy, but uh, they're seeing holes and they don't know how to address it. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to admit that he abandons his calls. Well, nobody's perfect. We're we're all imperfect, and and uh, we got to keep reaching out and being patient with each other, and and trying to help each other. We're all in, like I say, we're all on the same road. We're we're all going in a little bit different directions, but we're we're heading to the same place at least. And uh, we just have to be patient and and uh, get rid of the the ones that come in here to try and cause trouble. We know that, you know, we're not trying to... When we have a disagreement, a girlfriend of mine used to say, let's agree to disagree and leave it at that. You know, you know what, what What? Face One and I have been discussing is the true common law. And if you want to think about it simpler, remember when you were younger? Yeah, well, that was, that was a long time ago. <laughs> a couple of but, years uh, back, yeah. You remember when somebody would say, that's mine, like if, if you ever had an argument with a sibling, that's mine, that's mine. 
Well, I don't see your name on it. It was all about the record. Exactly. But but not the private record, the public record. All the neighbors knew that your name was on it, right? right. So, so if your friend stole your bike, even all your neighbors, the common law, would stand up for you. Like, yep, that's his bike. That's Roddy's bike. That's Sony's bike. I guarantee it. I mean, it's got the same spokes, got the same tassels. Yep. And they whether whether or not that guy was proved to be a robber, they would take your bike back because that's the jury with the people right there. And if you don't know, you could always publish in the paper. Sonia was looking for like a organic beef farmer yeah. a few months ago and I told her just uh put it in the paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You notice the people around you that an event has happened, and and and, and you remember that thing I sent you about the warrant. To to me, that's all a warrant is: is if you're ranting to the people that something's going on, they agree with you, they'll join you in your war rant. Exactly. Get signed off by the people to pursue to pursue the criminal or the accused. Let's say. Right. Tell the story about Frankenstein. When yeah. Frankenstein, the monster was created, what did the people show up with? Uh, <laughs> yep, they know. recognized the danger. It was recorded. Yeah. Hey, there's a monster. I'm going to tell my fellow man. I'm going to notice the public. That's right. They're like, oh my God. No, not private notice, public notice. And, and listen, though, what Roddy's saying, even about Frankenstein, is if, if you give notice, though, even though we're talking about Frankenstein, like, oh, my God, i got to give notice. There's this crazy monster over here. He has to put a signature on that notice. Like, somebody has to be liable for that notice because if it's fake, then he's liable, right? So even notice has to be given by someone, right? You have to put your name on the bottom of notice to give knowledge to someone else about what's going on so even with the Frankenstein thing if it wasn't real and all the people got afraid and left their houses and everyone fled and then they got robbed who's going to be liable the guy that gave notice so so even notice is very important you can't just fake a notice like hey notice fire in the theater can't do that you know notice is very important and you have to be liable for it. Aaron, you weren't on the call. But Colin started out <clears throat> with something we've talked about, about mm-hmm. the about when the king would leave or somebody would leave, they would create a deed of trust. Yeah. Uh, it means you were gonna walk you you're gonna be the caretaker until the, the king got back or whatever. Well, a deed of trust, I mean oh, okay, go ahead. No, the example is when you leave something in a trust for somebody to watch until you return, like 20 years later, the only problem is he didn't go into it specifically. Is oh, well, well, people, let me, let me, why? Real quick. Sorry, Roddy. People are returning it as the wrong character. But listen, a deed of trust, deed means act. Like this is my act of trust. Deed of trust means act of trust. It's not specifically trust. Yeah. 
I shouldn't have said deed. I was he was talking about trust. He he mentioned oh. specifically that when you leave your house yeah. in somebody else's care, that's creating a trust. Trust, yes, exactly. Until you get back. But he did not specify he did not specify what we've talked about. When you return and your house is out of order, mm-hmm. if you come in and say, I'm a citizen and I don't like what's going on here. Well, if you're a citizen, then you're not the owner, so uh, move on, move on. And hold on, you're not on the trust. Exactly. Right? you got to show up and say, you, you got yeah. to so. show up with the record and say, I'm the owner, know your role. Either I'm the grantor of this trust or I'm the beneficiary of this trust. Either one, because the trustee is already established with the trust, right? Yeah, we got about five minutes left. Oh. Yeah, thank thank you everyone for coming. It's been a real hoot. Yeah, we got a lot of information out tonight, and and I'm gonna listen to this over again. This is just wild, Aaron. Thank you so much for you know sharing. I know it's taken you a long time to share your information. I'm really interested because uh, I believe too. Yeah, going down to the county. Sonia, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I. <clears throat> you sent me a message on uh, Skype, and I want to let you know that I'm, I'm not trying to chase off your host, or I just ask simple questions. I think maybe I interrupt Colin because yeah, he talks a lot. I mean, that guy can talk for five hours straight. <laughs> you got to interrupt that guy from, from you know from time to time. So, well, I'm I, yeah, uh, uh, Aaron. Thank you. I I just uh, Colin asked me. Um, you know, if I if I would mention it, so I thought, well, I'll just mention that once he gets on a roll, if he, you know, but I'm going to ask Colin if he can maybe stop for every half an hour and maybe have a half an hour uh, question and answer period, and then uh, you know break it up. Um, so I'll ask Colin, and, and hopefully I said to Roddy today, I said, gee, every time I ask somebody something, I I I offend somebody or something. I don't mean to offend anybody either. But uh, thank you, Aaron. No, thank you very much. I I know that you didn't mean uh, yeah, right, any right. any harm. You you just everybody's got their way of um, uh, um, discussing things, and we don't all understand the same way. So we just have to be patient with each other, and and um, you know, we like I say, we're we're all learning here. So thank you, everybody, for coming. And um, yeah, you're what people. The next call you have, I think, should be me and Rowdy just doing our normal talk because, I don't know, for some reason, this when I talk to this guy, me and him, we just go into really deep, it's religious, but also statutory, and and all we have to do is block everyone out and let everyone listen, and me and this guy, for some reason, we can go on for how many hours, Rowdy? <laughs> I'd love to do that. Yeah, I think we've got wrapped up in calls now. Fifty. Well, I'd love yes. to do that, Aaron. Aaron Roddy. So um, it's just so revealing. So tell, tell tell me when. Tell me when, and we'll we'll put it on to the the talk show that Aaron and Roddy are coming this this Friday evening. You just let me know when. Uh, I was kind of waiting on you uh, for when you're ready to. You want to share, and let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, you're the weakest link here. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. All right. I'll throw in my interruptions and my, you know, blabber and 
Brody, no, he, he's the guy that always brings it full circle, though, Sonia. You've got to commit, though. You've been busy. Well, well, let's let's just get together. Law fans got in here. Roddy for president, Niren for vice president. So there we go. That sounds great. They've that already got your title. Oh. When did law fan have time to type with all that pizza grease all over his fingers? <laughs> he just, he's always eating pizza. <laughs> here he's talking all these natural foods and all this stuff. He has all. I know. He, knowledge. He, sent, he, sent, he sent me a picture. I don't. It was natural Mountain Dew and natural pizza from the sleeper cell. They're taking over the pizza. What? They're invading his his New Zealand and they're taking over the pizza places. Valfan's not from New Zealand. Valfan isn't. I don't. I don't think so. Aaron, isn't you're it? on the phone. Somebody else is on here. He says, "Am I human?" He says, "Just stay away from the house of the rising sun, Aaron." Whatever uh, that means. The dog. The dog. I think I know where. I think I know where Lawfan is. Actually, he's up there in uh, uh, Virginia, up there on the Alexandria. Lawfan's in New Zealand. He's in New Zealand, <clears throat> isn't he? No, he's up there in Langley. <laughs> but, but Sonia, here's the thing: I want you to understand from this call tonight because we can't just, you know, uh, like Gus said one night. Gus said it perfectly. He said. Don't socialize your way back into slavery, okay? Right. At the end of these calls, we always socialize our way back into slavery, and we forget what we just talked about. What we talked about tonight was go to your county recorder, your county clerk. That's the stamp you want. You do not want the stamp from a county court because the county court is a state administered court, you know, it's all... Go to the Queen's bench, not the Crown. Go straight to the people. That's where your people is, right there, Sonia, is your county clerk, your county administrator, your county recorder. Get that stamp on any document you want, and it's the highest stamp in the county, guaranteed. And if you send it to the state, the state in in, in the USA, we call it the Secretary of State, I don't know what you call it, but they'll stamp it too, They'll send it back to you, and that is the authority. Of Calls the about the end. I love you guys. All right, love you too, Roddy. Okay, love Aaron, you. thank you so much. Hi, Vitel. It's we're almost over now, Vitel. <laughs> oh, what's Vitel got to say? Speaking of Langley, Virginia. He's just saying greeting, you idiots. Speaking of the CIA. The Hoover. Who's that Hoover? The crossdresser. Thanks, everybody, for coming. And uh, I, I, I hear you, Aaron. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Sonia. Set up a donate. We need a donate button. Yeah. Donate to Sonia. Well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I know, but who else are you going to donate to? We can donate to Colin, too. He's trying to help. How about, how about we just put our money back in our pocket and we win? How about that? There we go. <laughs> There is no money. Donate to those in need. A poor little there is kid. no money and the Pope owns what? it all. What are you talking about? Out <laughs> <laughs> of a letter. Just grow up, guys. Send a prayer. 
I don't know if y'all pray or not, but oh, by the way, yeah, happy Easter to everybody. Ishtar. Huh? Is Vital on the call or not? What's he gonna say? We gotta yell at him for a bit. Vital, he's he, he's saying a lot of how does he find this? How does he find this call? I told Gus I don't trust him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't trust Gus either. Actually, I think Gus might be a little bit shady character. He just got married. Oh, did he? Yeah. Really? Vital did? Yes. No, no. Gus. Hello? Gus Gus did. Well, that's how, cool. That's how cool. Did Roddy know Gus got married. Like, Roddy, are you are you the stalker? Are you FBI? How the no, hell do you that? I have a lot of time to listen, man. Dude. I'm FBI, full-blown mm. idiot. I watch the chats, too. Full-blown idiot. I, I agree with that. Full-blown. Whatever that means. All my tools are in my head. <laughs> this is where I live, right here. Well, I never started recording this call till late. I think I started at about quarter after seven. I think that's why it's going on just a little bit longer here, guys. Well, Sonia, you are the goddess. You're the goddess of calls. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm Humble woman. Humble okay. woman. Well, to me, you're just one three one one six four. You know that. <laughs> it's on the record. Now you're yeah. really being nasty. That's how, we, that's how we know where to find her. It's on the record. Exactly. It's on the record. One three one one six four. You've noticed the people where to go. Well, look. That's, hey, are, are we? Are we? You and Roddy going to have a a talk show next week? Colin and Colin interrupt us. No, no, no. Colin, Colin's, you know, Colin said to me, anytime, you know, if you got somebody else on the call. He-